Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. Inside the gold mine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in once again for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co host, Lois Paul, as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. Uh, so this week, we're talking the old dash, <laughs> a dash of the old slap and tickle. Uh, while there's some similarities to the latest teen uh, sex comedy and the Teutonic variant running concurrently throughout the decade, Leave it to the British to put a stiff upper lip and panto-flavored double-take on the more prurient end of cinema. So join us tonight as we work our way from the televised boundary nudging of Benny Hill, Jeremy Lloyd and David Croft, and Richard O'Sullivan, to the even boldier filmic efforts of Rob Nasquith, Linda Hayden, Barry Evans, and Sue Longhurst. Uh, we'll be tackling everything from the early works of Pete Walker to David Sullivan, Mary Millington, and the all-too-short career of Julie Lee, only here on Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine. So let's see if my co-host has arrived yet. No, he has not. So uh, I'll run a couple of ads, and we will be back shortly. Reduct you at absurd and look at the headlines from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you've got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery, we try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level, bringing more to you. Only on the Big Papa Network, on Blog Talk Radio. So we are here live and on air. Uh, my co-host, Lewis Paul, has arrived. Welcome. Yes, yes, I, I'm actually here. And uh, see, we're getting better at this. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. You're not calling in by phone. Everything's good. <laughs> Everything's good. Yeah, oh. Ten weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to clear the air there. I, I posted on uh, Facebook uh, on the uh, advertisement for the show tonight 
Another tension-filled episode. And, <laughs> and I just wanted to say, there's no tension between the hosts. It's uh, I just figure we never know where we're going with stuff sometimes. And uh, we, 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 uh, we love to digress <laughs> because – and then sometimes – and we pull it back in, and uh, um, you know it's a and uh, not safe for work show. We know that. I mean, look at the, look at our subject matter. But um, <laughs> and we're two wild and crazy guys. But uh, <laughs> what do you want no, to do, Martin? Right now, stuff on the no, no, no. <laughs> but 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 what I meant was for you, the listeners. I mean, you guys never know what to expect. What we're going to say. Uh, what we're going to do, what we're going to discuss. I mean, the general outline is there when we post the uh, the little blurb for the show. But uh, you just never know where we're going to go with this. Um, I do hope that every week you guys are entertained and um, you keep coming back for more. Because it's only going to get better and bigger as we go on. That's it. And, you know, for my part, I was just like, hey, what are you talking about? But, you know, there, there's no like, oh, yeah, what tension? What are you talking about? We have no tension here. <laughs> so she was wondering, my wife was like, what topic are you guys talking about? this? like, what do you mean by tension? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'll ask them. Uh, so that's where this came from, folks. We were offline discussing, like, what, what was that all about? <laughs> but now uh, we know. Yeah, That's it. Now we know. Uh, and you're exactly right because that's kind of how uh, you know anybody's listening to any of the shows from uh, the more the most structured one, which was Third Eye Cinema, uh, through moving towards Light, which is currently on hiatus and certainly on Eye level. And here, uh, you know, this is it. We are the real deal. We shoot from the hip and uh, love us or hate us, right or wrong, we say what we really feel and what we really think about things. And uh, like I said, you know, we digress. We go off on tangents and topics and, you know, we may say we're going to talk about one thing and we'll talk about 27 others in the middle of it. So that's part of the fun of it. Um, so uh, off back onto the subject. Tonight we're talking about uh, the old slap and tickle. Those of you, uh, there was a book out there. Do you remember who wrote that recent book that we were talking about off air? It's actually rather good. Um, highly recommend it. It's the same guy uh, who did the biography of Mary Millington. He did a separate book that was oh. just on slap and tickle films. And I was like, you know, this is actually really, uh, I mean, for the Are we subject talking about matter. David McGillivray? No, that's the older version. Uh, he, that okay. was referenced in this book. This is a newer one. Um, oh, I have that here, too. Uh, oh, no, it's inside. Yeah, but... I, I know what you mean. I, I, I pulled everyone but that one. <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted to give a nod to this fellow, but unfortunately I can't remember his name or the name of the book uh, because, you know, we had mentioned last week the uh, Steve Fentone Antichristo book, uh, the Naughty Nun book, which is also fantastic. Uh, so I was like, you know, let's give this guy a shout out too, because I did certainly appreciate reading this book. Uh, I obviously knew a lot of the subject matter, but I also learned some things there as well. Uh, and there are more films that, you know, maybe someday will come to DVD and I'll get to see them, uh, that he had mentioned that I haven't seen. So, uh, hats off to you, whoever you are. <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. I, we'll, we'll, we'll actually probably, if we don't figure it out during the show, we might put a little tag on there or something. So, you know, who we're talking about, um, yeah, but David McGilvery wrote uh, "Doing Rude Things," one of the early, uh, early um, books on this subject. Uh, quite good, a little. But then again, uh, he's a weird guy because he he <laughs> wrote. No, I mean no, I I I didn't mean it that way. But he wrote the scripts for a lot of these sex films, these British right. sex comedies. Yes, he did. And then he 
and then he worked with uh, Norman Warren, and uh, he, he contributed to a lot of things. And he wrote this very, very good, very uh, rewarding, uh, but very academic book yeah. on the subject. And, and um, that's what I understood, that that book was actually uh, kind of a precursor, but like you said, very scholarly, academic, um, uh, stiff. Uh, and, you know, the I, important thing from that is that this guy was actually a screenwriter with people like Warren and maybe Peter yeah, Walker and yeah. who else. But nonetheless, this other fellow made it more – uh, I guess yes. kind of like they made it more palatable to the. No, I don't want to say the masses. That sounds elitist. That's not what I mean. But you know, just kind of uh, you, you want to go read a book. You don't want to be sitting there reading a scholarly treatise that was somebody's you know graduate thesis or something. Uh, this one was a much uh, easier to digest book than the Gilveras. Oh, uh, I, I like you know, and, and and not to go off topic. I like that with a lot of genre type stuff. You know, like this genre we're discussing tonight, but other genre stuff. I like when people can bridge. The gap, and it's really hard to write to bridge the gap between scholarly right. and and fun for the masses. Um, well, that's yep. kind of the way I try yeah. to structure everything because you know, obviously, yeah. those who know can pick up that I know a lot of stuff about a lot of subjects that are kind of strange and esoteric. Uh, but nonetheless, I have very seldom if ever tried to uh, writing up isn't the right thing because I believe in that. I don't believe in dumbing things down. But uh, it's never like, oh, look at how intelligent I am. I mean, I might throw in a few <laughs> quote big words and like, oh wow, look at him. He looked at his thesaurus, which I didn't. I just know the freaking words. Thank you. I'm roll red. Uh, but uh, you know, on top of that, it's I try to, which is what good writers do, structure my voice to the audience. So when I'm writing about porno films, I'm going to be talking different than when I'm writing about cult film. I'm going to be talking different than when I'm talking about, you know, French decadent yeah. literature and when I'm talking about heavy metal. And every everything's got its own audience. I relate to these audiences. I know sort of how to speak to them, how they sure. speak and react yeah. and think. So you tailor it. And yeah. uh, that's what I think, you know, it, the benefit of this particular book was over the one you had mentioned. But again, I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. Uh, I actually just took a look. If you heard me walking over to my closet, you know, how, how far my uh, cord reaches. It's like, maybe it's over here, but no, nah, it wasn't. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's I, saw, I saw it yesterday. I said, oh, oh, well, I, I don't want to have like 10,000 books in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I actually, I met him, David McGilvery, and... Um, it was funny. He was looking. I used to work in this place. It's it was an artsy fartsy job I had at Lincoln Center many many moons ago in an alternate life. And he was looking uh, for a, a guy who was a well known writer at the time. I used to work with him. So anyway, he he came into the job and he says, "Oh, is so and so here?" I says, "You know, he's not here today." He says, "Oh, I have something to give to him. I'll give it to you." I said, oh, thank you. So he actually had in his suitcase several copies of Doing Rude Things, which is, I think, out of print now. Right. And and um, I said, well, thank you. And, you know, he, he he signed the book to me, which makes it worthless. Thank you. But, <laughs> but I, you know, the funny thing is he disappeared off the face of the earth, and I turned to page two, and it's also signed by Pamela Green. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll be mentioning her as well. Uh. Yeah, that's a big thing. Sincerely, yeah, I I guess that I don't know what happened here, 
they probably just signed a bunch of these books, but on the first page, he signed it to me in person. And on the second page, it's another signature by him, but it's also Pamela Green, who's like... How do you keep doing this? You, you said told the same story with the Norman Warren book that it was signed by Sue Pardon? Longhart. <laughs> I was like, how do you keep doing this? You, when you did the, uh, yeah, the same yeah. stories about the uh, the Norman Warren book, that was signed by Sue Longhorst. <laughs> yeah. So uh, some yeah. of you keep looking into yeah. this stuff. Uh, I, by the I, way, I keep looking into this stuff. By the way, I did uh, do some reverse engineering, and I found the name of the book. It's called Keeping the British End Up. And I was yes. talking about the same guy that did come play with me, the Mary Millington, by uh, Simon Sheridan. So uh, hats off to yeah. you, tip of the hat. Uh, very good book. I like that book. Yeah, yeah, I have that book. I like that. I really recommend that book. It's a fun book. Great yeah. pictures, too, guys. That is it. Uh, okay, so anyway... Um, Basically, where this started from, beyond seeing that, oh, by the way, there's this entire huge genre out there when I thought there was, you know, a couple things like the Confessions films, the Adventures films, oh, stuff big. that was coming out on Jezebel. But I read this, you know, I read the Millington thing, and then I followed to the trail from that to this book, and I was like, holy shit, there's a whole lot of this stuff out there. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it helped me uh, find a few more things that I was missing that I didn't already have on DVD. And mm-hmm. uh, eventually, you know, once this show got started, I'm like, hey, you know what, let's talk about that too. Um, but actually, my first exposure wasn't even all these, uh, quote, sex films. Uh, it actually started with television because as a child, uh, my grandfather and my, um, I guess, uncle uh, were huge fans of Benny Hill. And, yes. you know, yeah, a lot of that stuff is kind of cheesy. There's a lot of panto in there. Um, I This country, we're obviously from the States. Um, we don't have that same sort of appreciation. The closest we get is an appreciation for camp, and most people that aren't already in, like, say, the gay community or whatever, uh, don't necessarily get camp. I mean, there's people that do. Obviously, I love that stuff. Uh, my partner Matt uh, on the uh, at a level, uh, he loves that stuff as well. There are people out there that get it, but there's a whole hell of a lot of people that don't. Uh, that Actually, camp uh, too. Yeah. There was a, a fellow that we yeah. talked about on that level. Uh, the, the Texas Swister, we'll call him for better or worse, used to be a very good friend of ours. Uh, had a long story of what happened there. But nonetheless, even though he basically became a right-wing lunatic, uh, at one point he was also very well-versed in camp. We, one of his favorite things was we gave him um, – I read about in one of those joke websites we were talking about, you know, the, the cheesiest films ever made, the cheesiest movies ever made, whatever it was, uh, cheesiest albums ever made. Uh, and they were talking about Fabio after dark. Fabio, you know, the model. He did, yeah. he did you know, I can't believe it's not butter. He did a uh, record album once where he basically was talking and telling these cheesy, you know, like romance novel lines about, like, oh, yes, I want to take you to a deserted island and give you a bikini and a toothbrush and lick you all over, you know, whatever the hell, right? And that's funny enough in between, like, these bad romantic songs that they licensed. But he actually does a sort of a rap song on it, which is priceless. <laughs> Those of you who have not seen or heard Fabio After Dark, you need to go get yourself a copy or go look it up on YouTube or something. Hilarious shit. Actually, uh, my wife and I, for years now, every Valentine's Day, that's what goes on when we're going to drive to dinner or whatever. Uh, you know, just hilarious stuff. And anyway, he really appreciated all this stuff. So he loved the fact that I gave him a copy of that because I found it for <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... One of so did you work was, backwards from Benny Hill, though? Uh, more or less. That was where I started from. Okay, uh, so you went back. Okay. 
uh, way back when. We're talking back in the 70s, really, in the early right, 80s. Right, right. But you saw Benny Hill, and then you worked back, and you're just going. Back into the – exactly. Well, you, it doesn't even necessarily back because Benny started in the 60s, really, uh, the late right, 60s. No, but you were, you were exposed yeah. to Benny Hill. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I saw a lot of stuff when I was a uh, child because my folks were kind of hip, but it yeah. was not sex films. <laughs> you know, I was too young for that. <laughs> not, not like me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's different, right? Uh, my folks were super hip. I mean, I can tell you stories, but it was not that kind of a thing. I mean, it was far from what I hear sometimes. These people are like, oh, I can't watch anything that is, you know, PG thirteen. I'm like, what are you crazy? What kind of freaks are you living under? Uh, you know, and of course, those kind of kids that are really protected, like I turn into the biggest freaks, drug addicts, and perverts. So you might as well just let them go. Uh, but and it always happens too. It's a psychological fact. Uh, I've seen it too many times. But it, it's kind of like the country dog thing. You know, you, you put a chain on a dog, and the first second it gets, bam, it's gone. You know, it's going to be doing all kinds of shit, you know, ripping bailman's pants off and pissing on the neighbor's lawn and, you know, eating cats and whatever the hell else. But you get a country dog. I whereas there's a country dog to do that. Wait, wait, what country well, are you that's, that's, that's a city dog. But <laughs> the country dogs, they just let them sit there. You know, they're on the porch. they got the run of the farm. Nobody gives I a know, shit. Too. And nine times out of ten, what happens? They're still sitting there on the porch. They don't go nowhere. So that was kind of the way my folks read. I, you know? I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. This I remember it very clearly. It was uh, for some reason Channel Nine decided to license for several months. Uh, I didn't research this because I remember actually remember this shit, which is scary. Thames on television, they called it. Yes. And f- for several months, they brought the coolest things we never saw. I mean we never saw it before. Uh, and one of them was the Benny Hill show. And then there was, uh, the, what the hell was his name? A talk show guy that was very, very funny. Dave something. You're not about Wagon, are you? Pardon? You're not talking about Wagon. Maybe, maybe. His first and name then, is Dave. Yeah. It might be him. And then actually, uh, this is probably a little bit later, but around the same time period, Paul Hogan had a uh, supposed faux talk show that was really like a comedy show, a skit show. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And they he would pull that up from Australia. I love yeah. that show. I knew him like you know ten years before he became uh, Crocodile Dundee or whatever. I was like, this, he, that was the end of his career. He was flushing his career down the toilet at that point. <laughs> he was doing weird like Monty Python humor back in wow. you know, the seventies. Um, but anyway, yeah. So with Ben, well, uh, Monty. Yeah, and Monty right. Python was right. Benny and Monty Python, and uh, there was a there was a couple of, a couple of things classic British kind of weird shows you and I both liked. They kind of sneaked yep. them on. Yeah, um, the Avengers. I, yeah, I don't know if that was, was like, Jason King, but there was that kind of stuff was out there. Uh, maybe Adam. No, it wasn't I the Avengers. But... It was it was. Yeah, something like that. Maybe a couple old champions. Things are already to them five or six years old. Yep, but, the same. I remember seeing back then. Yeah, and, and and you know, and to them, way off the air. But oh yeah, to, to us, it's fresh. It's like, what the hell is this? Well, the it was Park the same Ness, thing. Jason King, yeah. It was the same thing they pulled later in the 80s with Doctor Who. We were at least four or five years behind, and in some cases much worse because we were watching you know, the earliest Tom Baker episodes when they were already you know, moving towards Colin Baker. Uh, so, and those who know who know how far a difference we're talking about here. 
Um, but that always happened. I mean, I remember watching Blake Seven around that time, and they were already off the air by a couple of years. Um, even on the PBS, I used to watch a lot of Britcoms. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, like they had this Friday night uh, round of them, and I saw weird stuff like, you know, The Secret Life of Reginald Perrin, uh, along with the usual, like, you know, Hello, Hello, and, um, you know, Are You Being Served, and uh, Yes, Minister, which I never liked that one. Um, Take a Letter, Mr. Jones, with Rula Lenska, who we'll talk about later, and uh, John Inman from uh, Are You Being Served. Strange shit. I mean, but again, that's more in the 80s. In the seventies, I rock definitely follies, rock follies. I definitely remember Benny Hill was a big one, and it wasn't just that period you're talking about. Because yeah, there was something where we saw a lot of them, and they all kind of went away. Um, but some channel, I don't know if it was nine or five, used to show Hill regularly. I don't know if it was every single night at a certain time, like maybe eight o'clock, or if it was on nine. Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, whatever it was, uh, we would watch this incessantly, not even necessarily in our house as much, because, you know, my father loved it, obviously, the same reason that everybody loves it, like I do, uh, all the, the Hills Honeys, all those Dolly Birds running around, and a lot of them actually were from these sex comedies, as we found out later, uh, or transitioned into them one way or the other, it was like a mutual street there, a two-way street, um, but... Yeah, I mean, that we would always uh, go to my grandfather's house, and there he'd be sitting there, and sometimes, you know, my uncle would be down from uh, up north where he was living, and uh, they'd be sitting there watching freaking Benny Hill and laughing their asses off. And, you know, of course, we'd join them. Um, you know, this country, like I was saying before, doesn't necessarily have that kind of mass appreciation of uh, camp and the British variant of it, which is pantomime. Uh, but over there, it's like a big deal. I mean, everybody who is a star on any level will get invited at least around Christmas time, if not throughout the year, to put on these little cheesy, almost like the old British music hall where they had the singing and the comedians and the and the whole audience would sing along and that that kind of a, a vibe, you know, of like um populist entertainment, I guess. And somehow they'd always do little skits with these famous stars running around in fucking drag. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. Uh-huh. Uh, so for us, watching Benny Hill was like, why is this old fat guy running around in a dress all the time? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if you can get past that part of it, uh, it it's a lot of body humor. And again, the same thing, body musical humor. There's um, a fellow that was I was introduced to by, I always talk about this one hippie friend I had who actually was an old hippie. Uh, and and he was really into some crazy shit. He's the guy that got me into Italian horror, um, you know, because I was watching everything but. And he's like, oh, why don't you check this out? Because I was like, yeah. Back then I was like, oh, God, I'm not a gore hand. I don't need to see all this. Like, you know, somebody's eyeball getting popped up, so I'll never touch a Fulci film, that kind of a thing. And he's like, no, 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 check this out. This is really cool. And sure enough, I got into that stuff hard. Uh but one of the things he introduced me to just casually because he played like weird music in his collection. He was like a Residence fan. He was actually a member of the Residence fan club. He was like the, the chapter head or something. Weird uh-huh. shit he was. But, uh, he was into Tiny Tim, seriously, like not even as a joke. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, he rescues all his old-timey songs from like 1916. Uh, but he introduced me to this fellow named Ivor Biggin, who also Do goes you know you – go ahead. Where you that? Do you know you're dropping out? No, I did not. You're dropping out. Yeah, you are. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, you're going back and forth. Oh, okay. Am I there now consistently? Am I still on air? You are there consistently. Okay, good. <laughs> it must be this uh, microphone cord here. Who knows? Um, but anyway, as I was trying to say, I don't know what came across on air, uh, there was this fellow who introduced me named Ivor Biggin. 
who goes by nowadays, I think he just goes by the slightly more crass Doc Cox. Uh, but his whole shtick <laughs> is, he's yeah, again, some old fat guy like Benny Hill, and he comes out and he's actually got the picture I have of him from one of the CDs. Uh, he's dressed like that guy. Remember Lesko, the, the huckster that would go around with the question marks like the Riddler on his jacket? Yeah. Same idea. It's like paisley, multicolored jacket. Uh, and he would do these little ditties on the ukulele or whatever that are really kind of um, sexually oriented but not quite gross. It's just like, all right, it's right there. It's kind of naughty. Here's a song. I'm a winker. I'm a winker. <laughs> I mean, you know, this kind of shit. Um, that's the vibe that you're getting with pantomime, and that's the vibe that Benny Hill really taps into. Um, so you get that sort of weird humor and these little ditties that he does. Uh, he, for some reason, will have these women on that will sing seriously. I've never understood that part. Uh, never really got the panto thing with him running around in a dress all the time, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot of cheap slapstick and certainly a lot of um, what they were called nowadays inappropriate or sexist, which means it's fun, uh, humor with him and these uh, dolly birds, oh. basically. Um, and that was my first exposure to this kind of stuff. And then later on through the years, as I got exposed to more brick comms and whatever else, you started running into things that some of, like I had mentioned, are you being served? Very bawdy with, you know, uh, what's her name there? Uh, Miss, uh, I can't remember her name now. Uh, uh, Molly Sugden's character. And she's always talking about her pussy, but of course it means her cat. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that sort of thing going on with uh, <laughs> You know, I think it's Jeremy Lloyd and uh, David Croft, uh, and they did a couple of comedies like that that were kind of really, you know, towing the line of like, you know, just about crass. Everybody knew what they were getting at, but they were just kind of shy away at the last moment. Like, okay, no, it's safe for people that are a little more stiff. Like, oh, they weren't really saying that. Oh, yeah, they were. <laughs> um, uh, so then they did Alo Alo, which was another favorite. Uh, I remember the uh, the fallen Madonna with the big boobies was the, <laughs> the portrait they were trying to save, and they were always going on about because uh, of World War II set thing in France, and they were always going on about the the big sausages that the Germans had and all that. Really, and there was also a guy. Signer was playing a very, very obviously gay sergeant who had the hots for this guy, Renee. Uh, I mean, you know, it really, really amusing, pushing the boundaries kind of stuff. Um, then you had, and I think it was actually before those, but uh, around the same time or just after Benny Hill started, uh, you had something called Men About the House. There are a lot of famous comedy yes. uh, yeah. sitcoms yeah. in this country. Uh, that were big in the 70s, you know, All in the Family, Three's Company, um, Sanford and Son. They actually have British original uh, you know, antecedents, I guess. Um, the one yeah. that uh-huh. we'll talk Step about right here. Son. Step Stone yeah. Step Step and Son. Step Stone Sanford and Son. You know, Love Thy Neighbor was All in the Family. Uh, the one that we want to talk about here, though, which was, again, in, in the lines of this kind of body humor, uh, was Man About the House, which was yes. then officially sold worldwide. Uh, the, the template and the, the scripts were then remade directly pretty much, but you know, softened up to each country's taste and with new actors and new casts and whatever. Uh, in our country, it was this three's company. Uh, but I'll <laughs> tell you, my wife loves three's company. I can't watch the fucking show. It's so bad. <laughs> but... Uh, Man About the House was hilarious because, for one thing, they did not dance around the sex as much. It was kind of more there. Uh, the guy was 
very obviously he, he didn't put on the, the shtick of being very obviously gay like Jack Tripper did. Uh, it was a little bit there because okay, you know, like oh, the Ropers do downstairs are wondering why this guy's living in the apartment with him, and he wants to be a chef, so he must be a little like that. But you know, right. he was very obviously straight and everybody else. Um, and they had the guy that plays Larry. You know, in this country, he was very much like a club med type uh, little yeah, guy with right. like you know a big afro kind of thing, and he's got the, the hairy chest and the medallions, and it's ridiculous. You look at Larry, you're like, wow, Larry. I remember talking as a kid, I'm like, why do women go for Larry? Really, they want to be with him. <laughs> But yet, but they did. But they did. They did. They sure enough did. The seventies were a different time, I guess. But um, you go to a man about the house, and the guy that's playing, you know, the Larry character. Okay, yes, he's a cockney. He's a little bit rough around the edges, but you can see him. My wife is even like, oh yeah, I can see this guy getting, you know, getting chicks back (laughs) Uh, because he was that kind of guy. I mean, he was much more obviously, you know, whatever uh, male testosterone pheromone type thing. Uh, even though he was like a grease monkey living in a garage and whatever the hell else. I think he wound up moving into their attic. Uh, but again, these these shows were very much, uh, especially the people in this country, very surprising at how boundary-pushing they could be. I mean, yeah. you're literally talking about doing hours' worth of sex jokes, you know, uh, length jokes, boob jokes, you know, whatever it is, bum jokes. Uh, you know, the things that happen in there were just like, this is yeah. First of all, it's funny, and secondly, it's like, wow, how the hell did they get away with this? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the thing that leads from that, and this kind of again going on concurrently, sometimes going on before, sometimes going on after, uh, was this round of sex films over there. Now, I think the best place to go and start this would be with the nudies. Now, we had mentioned when we did our uh, adult film show a couple weeks back yes. about yeah. uh, the nudies and about the Brits' part in that. Uh, but here we'll just touch on it again slightly uh, because this is really where it all started. Uh, I have a couple of them that I really enjoyed. Uh, Pussycat's Paradise, which is also known as the nudist story. This is out on DVD right now if you have a region-free player in your, uh, or you're living in the UK. Uh, a fellow named Ramsey Harrington. Uh, Nudes of the World from Honored Miller, who also did Take Off Your Clothes and Live. Uh, those are loads of fun. I really enjoyed it. What other way is there? Exactly. Uh, as nature intended with, as you had mentioned earlier, Pamela Green. Uh, Pamela Green was one of the first uh, British sex stars, uh, not in the sense of like a Diana Doors, but in the sense of a sex film star. In other words, she's somebody who's not afraid to go around and show off her body, and that was how she made her living. Um, I think she was actually involved with Arnold Miller, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you can correct me on that if that's not the case, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure. But she, actually, Pamela also had some talent as far as acting. So she was uh, one of those dichotomies. You know, she was one of those. Yes, she had very shapely body and large breasts, but she mm-hmm. could be a bitchy actress too. Yeah. She was a statuesque blonde, and if she didn't ever close off, you could easily be mistaken for her being a, quote, proper British girl. But, you know, as it was, she was basically, yeah. you know, uh, nude as nature intended. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we have mentioned about the tropes of these uh, nudie cuties, strip, uh, not strip movies, uh, basically. So there are nudist films uh, back on the other show, so I won't get into that too much. Uh, one other one, and actually, uh, as Nature Intended, was directed by George Harrison Marks, who. Harrison Marks, yeah. 
he was also involved in these things a lot. He did a lot of peep shorts and such. And later he actually starred in Come Play With Me, the Mary Millington film, which we'll get to down yeah. the road. Um, there's another one, too, that, uh, of interest that I have, uh, a film called My Bear Lady. <laughs> and There's something weird, DVD, or I've seen this one, uh, a film named Arthur Knight. And uh, just talk about crossover. Uh, Ouija, the famous crime photographer, who uh, a lot of people in the 90s enjoyed yeah. just because – he had this sort of perverted uh, thing for, you know, he, he almost fetishized like murder, if you will, as a, a thing. He would, he would really had this way of taking shocking photos and making them stylish. Um, and Ouija actually popped up in a couple of these nudie cutie films over here during that period. Uh, but in this one here in, in England, he was in My Bare Lady as a, a contest judge. Because a lot of times, if they don't just have like we're talking the volleyball and the darts and God knows what else yeah. with these rundown strip resorts, they revolve around, or at least at some point, a beauty contest. And of course, all these new girls go up there and you know, they judge yeah. whatever. Ouija is a very, very fascinating character in history, period. And uh, a photographer, a documentarian, a documentarian of the weird and the weird. <laughs> yes. I mean, he he would murder scenes, uh, gangsters. Uh, Ouija seemed to be, he was a photographer, he seemed to be everywhere. And yeah. you know, the nudie thing, the burlesque scene. And, you know, the, the only aside I wanted to make is that Joe Pesky, of all people, mm-hmm. uh, portrayed him in a movie that was very poorly uh, promoted, very seldom seen. And I think that was one reason why Joe kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. I think he really <laughs> liked that part. I thought he was amazing in that. Uh, he was playing against type a little bit, and uh, a lot of it, actually. And, uh, yeah, Ouija's a very, very strange character in history. So what yeah. film is this that you're talking about? Do you remember the name of this? No, but I will later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to leave the audience hanging. I'm like, okay, well. No, it's, it's a low-budget movie. It's in the past six years. Uh, I saw it, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And uh, Joe Pesky's playing Ouija, and it's... Uh, it's a little stylistic, but you know, it's it's cause it's supposed to take place at the time period that he lived, uh, you know, thirties, forties, fifties. But uh, it's an amazing performance, and it's a really freaky movie. And I think that's why nobody wants to look at it. Ouija you know, was a, yeah. you know, when you deal with crime reporters and crime photographers, especially on his level, these guys were like right on the borderline. They kind of lived in that gray area where there was like almost a gangster themselves because they're hanging with these people. They know these people. They're kind of on street level like that. Um, it's kind of like the sort of crowd you used to get hanging around the grindhouses in the, you know, the deuce back when, uh, New York city. Uh, one of those kind of people. Um, well, think, think cold Jack, the night stalker, the, yes. the movie, right. Exactly. You know, like, the guy's like a Darren McGavin character in real life. He like fucking jumps on a car or the, he get jumps on the train <laughs> and he shows up with his flash bulb uh, camera, pop, pop, pop. But the guy really knew how to look through the lens. Yeah. You know, really interesting. I always appreciated uh, his his photography skills just in terms of aesthetics. I mean, the, the subject matter is unpleasant. He always tended to find the uh, ugliest or strangest or most miserable-looking yeah. people, even when he wasn't taking crime scene photography. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's almost like looking at an Edward Hopper or something like, well, okay, this is really dark and depressing, and I don't know if I agree with the worldview here, but I can certainly appreciate the aesthetic. Uh, and he was one of those for sure. Um 
So now we can kind of go into batches. I kind of went by uh, DVDs that I had, and I just figured I'd go through them and you know mention them often. Sure, sure we'll, yeah. we'll go where we go from there. Um, I have something called Bizarre, which was also re-released for some reason oh. as Secrets of Sex. This guy, Anthony Bouch, uh, who Anthony also did Bouch, Horror Hospital. Yes. He did yeah. Horror Hospital. That was my first exposure to him, with, also with Robin Asquith, who we'll talk about later. Uh, it has uh, Valentine Dial, who, among other things, who fans might recognize as the Black Guardian. Uh, and Sex Dolly, who pops up in a lot of these films, uh, Nicola Austin, very pretty uh, redheaded girl. Um, this film is really screwed up. I mean, it's basically a, a sex film with a bit of a... Uh, amicus feel to it, where it's got like little segments uh, where they kind of go into each person's story, if you will. Uh, they yeah. usually have some sort of comedic uh, or twist ending, and yet it's narrated by a freaking mummy. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, it's like, well, it's not really a horror film, but who the hell goes to a sex film narrated by a mummy? <laughs> It's very weird. It's 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 colorful. Uh, um, it's very strange. It's just a little surreal. I I believe it was produced by Richard Gordon of all people. Really? Who did Fiend Without a Face? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because he knew Balch, and Balch was actually on the art scene. You know, uh, I don't know if he was a confidant of Andy Warhol and that type, but uh, the British art scene for sure. Uh, he was he was a a surrealist, I think, and um, so yeah, he made he made this movie uh, one of few he actually was in, and I, I I think it pretty much Richard Gordon did have something to do with it, and uh, yeah, Richard so, Gordon, by the way, is the producer of uh, Fiend Without a Face, that classic. Right. Uh, well, it actually is a good freaking movie. Oh, yeah. And okay. a couple, couple of other things down the road, but we'll eventually discuss him at some point later. Um, another one that I've got, which is interesting, I got pretty early on, Zeta 1, which I think was actually, was it a Hammer film? Uh, it's no, called, it's not. It's not. Otherwise yeah. known as The Love Factor. Um, yeah. It's got, listen to this cast, Charlie Hawtrey from the Carry On films, which, by yeah. the way, I didn't discuss them specifically, but that's another British slap and tickle series, effectively. I didn't think the early ones really were that sexy. I've, I've got the set. There's a nice set over there in England that's really, really rather cheap, at least when I got it. Uh, all, and all of them are in it. All of them are in it, and it cost me thirty bucks. I'm like, how the hell? Best? Really? <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's why I got it. And I was kicking around. Send like, me that leak. Is this still that cheap? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked in months. That's why I asked you. Remember, I specifically came to you because I was like, oh, you like the carry on films. What do you think? Should I do it? <laughs> like, That's a well, good I price. got most of them. I've got most of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, got. Actually, it's got all of them. Yeah. Uh, right through Carry On Emmanuel. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I started watching them, obviously, and I got through the first disc or two, and early on, it was they were always in the military or in the hospital, and, you know, unless you really think, who is their main woman in the beginning who later became one of the comedic ones, a big blonde, like, kind of like Diana Doris became later, I can't remember her name, uh, Joan Sims, that's it, she was the sex interest, I'm like, really? They want to get into her stockings? <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, later on, they become, once you get into the close to the 70s, they really get, once again, all these kind of dolly birds that were in Benny Hill, that were in all these sex comedies that we're going to get to. Uh, so, again, you're walking into the same territory with carry-on films. Um, well, but anyway. But, but, uh, are we jumping in and out of carry-on? Because I did want to say, 
that some of those are not bad. Um, I mean, yeah, they had the usual you know, cast. You had uh, Charles Hawtrey, Sid James, mm-hmm. a really good actor. Uh, like Dennis Price, we discussed on the Franco show, the, uh, uh, Sid James liked to drink. Everybody likes yes. to drink. You know, Sid <laughs> looks like he drank. Uh, <laughs> and a bunch, you know, a bunch of other people. And but some of them are better than others. Uh, it's yeah, you know, it's like you make, God knows how many, how many of these thirty, 30. fucking movies. 30, yeah. Man. Carry on, Cabin. Carry on, Cabin. Carry on, Cleopatra. Carry on, yep. Columbus. That was the last one, I think, and it was the worst. It's a Jim Dale. That's the only one. That's the one they skipped. Because wasn't that um, they did it afterwards? They kind of revived the series, and they might have yeah, used yeah, clips, yeah. and none of the originals Jim, were in it or something. Right. Uh, Jim Dale, who was who became a featured player after some of these guys had already dawned, crossed over, gone to wherever they, they go, where if it's not heaven, wherever they go. Um, <laughs> Jim Dale was, became a carry-on uh, member of the uh, revolving cast. And then he became a superstar on Broadway. God knows how. You know, it was cool. You know, it was an affable kind of guy. And uh, Scapino was a big thing that they can't, I remember back in the late seventies. Scapino, Jim Dale. You know, he did Barnum, all kinds of shit like that. If you're if you're like uh, like like in the, your forties or around that age, you kind of remember the name Jim Dale. But he was in a lot of his Carry On movies. Anyway, after the the whole craze died. There was a huge, for some unknown reason, known only to the stars, interest in Col- Christopher Columbus. Who knows? <laughs> there was the Christopher Columbus movie with Marlon Brando, right? Right. And there was another one with some other guy. I don't remember who the hell he was. And then there was Carry On Columbus, which <laughs> kind of reassembled every living, then living member of the Carry On gang and Jim Dale. And it was horrible. Yeah, but uh, my I digress. I'm sorry. This is one of those no. tension-filled moments. But <laughs> carry carry on screaming. I love this movie. I've seen it 66, I think. I've seen it so many times, and I never get bored watching it. It's really good. Do you remember you, this one? Uh, you have mentioned it to me many, many times. It was actually one of my incentives for buying the set. But since I was trying to go in order, uh, because I know I'd seen some of the ones towards the end, and I liked them a lot. Uh, yeah. At least, you know, relatively speaking, I figured, all right, well, it's basically going to keep getting better, at least in my terms. I know not everybody thinks that, but I thought that they got much uh, sexier, more amusing, if you know, better looking women, whatever, uh, as they went on. So, therefore, I'm still going in order, and I haven't gotten that far yet. But yeah, that was okay. actually one of the reasons I got it. Um, but you know, I didn't want to get too much into carry-on films because there's so many of them. Uh, but yes, yes, of course, yeah. And we had mentioned you mentioned about Sid James. He, of course, we had mentioned during the Hammer films because in the early uh, Hammer War period during the fifties and sixties, uh-huh. popped up in several of them uh, as a bit player, basically. Uh, but in this case, the reason I brought it up is in Zeta One, Charlie Hawtrey of Carry On is in it. Yes. Uh, and then you've got Yuta Stensgard and Valerie Leone from Hammer films. And then you've got James Robertson Justice, who did the Doctor series, you know, Doctor at Sea and all those things. Um, one of which I think had Bordeaux in it. Was it Doctor C? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. And that doctor, Doctor Sir Dirk Bogard was in one of those things. You know, yes. very stuffy Dirk right. Bogard. Well, I think uh, Dirk Bogard was the doctor, but yeah, James Robson Justice yeah. was in this as well. Um, a, I think it's an antecedent, although of this, the British sex comedies, don't you think? Though it's like yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, they, like, they aren't quite right as bloody. The uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Actually, someday maybe we could do something on Bardot films. I love those things. My wife loves them. Uh, but, oh, you know, yeah. just thinking about the, the doctor thing. Um, but anyway, uh, so he's in this as well. And then we got Dawn Adams from Thousand Eyes of Dr. Mabuza and, of course, a lot of television. And she, she The Protectors? The Protectors is another one. I love yeah. that series. Uh, uh, that was the one with uh, with uh, Tony Curtis and um, – no, wait, Protectors was a different one. Which one was the one with uh, Tony Curtis and Roger, Roger Moore? Moore? The Professionals. The prof- that I love that series. But yeah, Protectors. Oh, I love that series too. That's actually one of my favorites outside of you know the Avengers. Actually, if I had to like really rank those as my favorites, it's totally going on digression. I would say the Avengers during certain periods. We're talking about the Kathy Gale stuff, the Emma Peel stuff, and to some extent the New Avengers uh, with uh, what's her face, David Patsy from Nabfab, uh, Joanna Lumley. Uh, and and Gareth Hunt, which I remember Gareth Thomas, who was uh, Blake on Blake Seven, was really yeah. pissed off because he's like, you know, I auditioned for the part, it looked like they were gonna give it to me, and they gave it to somebody who looked a hell of a lot like me and had my same fucking name <laughs> because it's Gareth Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like Gareth Hunt, and I'm sorry to see him pass at such a such a a relatively early age. You know, I like this. I like that. The first season of New Avengers was very, very good, uh, much better than the Thorson stuff. But again, we'll get to that someday when we're talking about those things. Yeah. But I also really loved Adam Adamant, which I mentioned before. Yeah. And strangely, even though the series was kind of campy and whatever, I really enjoyed Jason King. Uh, the oh, part yeah. was a little too dry for me, even though he was in it. Uh, Jason Peter King Wingard, was very smart. Peter Wingard is, you know, we, we, we have to do a Peter Wingard show one day. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, there's nobody fucking like Peter Wingard I ever saw in my life. Uh, what was, what's that black and white movie that's really good? What was that? Help me out. Which one? <laughs> the black and white movie, uh, the... I, probably uh, have, I have a couple It's about there. witchcraft. You should help, you oh, should yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Um. Yeah, it's it's you know I know it because it's in my British collection. It names witchcraft in it. I think it's in the title. Is it Devils of Darkness? Is that no? That's not the one. No, no, no. But I know it's very Shakespearean, swinging dick actor with this really long mustache, and he was like (laughs) he had a great haircut, and the guy carried himself like wow, you know, like you knew was was a seven. Yeah. yeah, he was the uber decadent. He was the decadence decadent. And those Thank who have you. read, yes, uh, that's great. Those who have yeah. read the Third Eye website and have read my old Journal of Decadence uh, post know that I am a decadent. I love that shit. Uh, I thought that he was perfect. The only thing is, obviously, since he was a gay actor, sometimes that came across in terms of, yeah, he's supposed to be with all these women, but you know, there's really nothing going on there. It was, well, it was even less than you saw with like Rock Hudson and Susan St. James and McMillan and wife. I was like, eh. it, it should be more the way he's acting, the way they're playing it up, and yet it's not there. So, but see, yeah. yeah, but you you went to a place that I wouldn't have gone because I would I wouldn't say because I knew guys when, when I was growing up. I knew guys. Uh, I got I got involved in some in some scenes where I don't know how it happened. I I, I met some really decadent people who kind of gave that appearance, right? And they were very dick swinging fellows. So you know, <laughs> and they were very heterosexual. So it's a funny thing. Yeah, I know what you're saying. 
Yeah, now if you watch the show, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about him as a person. I'm saying if you watch the show, yeah, you, if yeah. you pick it up. That Yeah, it's not quite what they're playing up here. It's not quite the way it should be. It's like pointing in one direction, and all of a sudden it backs off. I'm like, what happened Well, there? he does back <laughs> off a lot. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I remember from Jason Kings. And that's what I'm but, trying to get at. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, what, what a, a love show. voice, man. That guy has some voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're very kind of deep voice like this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, and I was shocked. Like, he disappeared for a while or I wasn't paying attention. And what's that big candy colored Flash Gordon. The oh, Dino and you know what D- else he was in? Uh, wow. Flash Gordon, you're right. I just realized that he was in a famous Avengers episode, one of my favorites of all time, if not my favorite of all time, which was the Hellfire Club. Yes, yes. Remember, he was the guy running. He was yeah. playing... Uh, the the essentially you know, Sir Francis Dashwood, uh, but that that character, whoever they they yeah. cast him as in us, that, that's uh, one of the one of the best Avengers episodes. Presenting ever. the Queen of Sin, like ah oh, yes, <laughs> I had that yeah. Facebook profile photo for years. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and like that's what sixty five, sixty six, and then he turns up nineteen eighty after we're not paying attention for a long time, and as in Flash, ah, what the hell? But I love that movie. I saw that in the theater. I'm like, wow, this movie's awesome. And that soundtrack, like you said, uh, Queen. Uh, but anyway, we're going way off topic here. <laughs> but that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do, exactly. That, that's the tension you're talking about. Uh, so anyway, Vita 1 was kind of this bizarre. I mean, it's supposed to be something about spies and I think alien girls and whatever. Alien but girls, it makes, yes. It makes no fucking sense. They spent about a half an hour <laughs> on this poker game, a strip poker game. Between yeah. Eudas Stensgard and I forget who, I don't know, maybe Charlie Hodge for all I remember. Uh, and I'm like, No, no, it's a handsome Brit dude. I forgot who he was. <laughs> oh, look, he just said back in the company, Charlie Hodge. Oh, no, it wasn't him. He was a handsome Brit dude. <laughs> it was. Uh, well, we all know Charlie Hodge. Well, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But no, it was, it was a handsome, like, square jawed Brit dude with the nice haircut, Bondi and type. Yeah. But anyway, I when I first saw it, I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And then I was like, oh, these girls are kind of hot. And I was like, okay, you know, I like this movie. Uh, and it kind of kept me coming back. It was actually, I think, the first film that I got that came out from Redemption slash Jezebel uh, in terms of their sex films, you know, not in terms of the stuff they're putting out with Roland and whatever. But you thought it would be better. Yeah, I thought it was better, and it wasn't. But yet, once I started to like it, I'm like, yeah, let's see what else they got. And sure enough, I started picking up stuff. Uh, like the Naughty Britain collection, which you know these things are probably all out of print these days, uh, which had "Can You Keep It Up for a Week," <laughs> which yes. had Valerie Owen and Sue Longhurst in it. Now, Sue Longhurst pops up in a lot of these films. She was like one of the biggest mainstays in the the British sex film. Um, all Pair Girls, which was directed by Val Guest. We're talking about yeah, the guy yeah. that did the Earth Foot Fire, uh, Hammer films like The Abominable Snowman, Quatermass, Camp on Blowdown. He even did comedies like Up the Creek for Hammer. Uh, Guys, he was doing all the girls. Um, Richard O'Sullivan, who I mentioned from Man About the House, was in this. Mimi Lai from Diodato's Jungle Holocaust, Lindsay's Eaten Alive, Crucible of Terror, and all pair girls. I mean, these people. You've got a cast in this thing that if you're a cult film fan, especially when you come to the if you're a British cult. It's like some of these casters are to die for. Uh, Sex and the Other Woman. Stanley Long. Stanley Long was one of the biggest names in British, uh, if you will, porn. I think he was actually directing porn loops on the side because yeah. I know that uh, in some of these things, I've got some discs of uh, Mary Milton stuff and whatever, and they'll put loops on there that, you know, usually in her case, would feature her. 
but other discs from the same company would have these loops. And you got stuff from Stanley Long on there. And I was like, wow, this is really kind of close. I mean, maybe they trimmed it because it's on a DVD and they're doing it for general release. But basically, you could tell these were hardcore loops. I'm like, okay. Um uh, so, in, of course, you know Stanley Wong also did Naughty, if anybody's seen that uh, particular film, uh, which we'll mention shortly, uh, and the Adventure series, which we'll also mention. Um, Felicity Devonshire was in this from Pete Walker's Four Dimensions of Greta and Intimate yeah. Games, and Ken Russell's List of Mania she was in, not to mention, and this is a really good one, the film version of Annie and Queen Kong with Robin Asquith and Rula Lenska. So another yeah. one that kind of gets Felicity Devonshire, a cute girl. Um, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, there's a film out there called Monique, uh, which I know you like because you had mentioned when I was looking over your stuff. I saw you kept mentioning Sybilla K, uh, who's in this one. She's probably featured. Sybilla uh, K from Vampire Circus, uh, and a fellow named John Bone, who was in Fear of the Night, Vampire Circus, and the Peter Cushing Doctor Who films. Uh, this was his only directing role, so I don't know what was going on there. Uh, that one's a little dry, but it's basically about a a, a au pair girl, if you will who uh, basically gets this couple to swing and loosen up and join the sexual revolution, if you will. You know, these films are cheesy, but... Um, then I've got something called the English Girl Collection, which was uh, What's Good for the Goose, which was directed by Menachem Golan, Golan Globus, you know, basically uh, yeah. not yeah. pictures, but around that period. Uh, a lot of cheesy films in the 80s, basically. Um, Norman Wisdom is in it. Who is those of you who know your British comedies? That more of the straight laced, like oh, let's please the little old ladies in you know, Peoria kind of audience. Uh, but nonetheless, this guy was uh, floating around doing I don't know how many films. How many films did Norman Wisdom do? Fifty. Uh, uh, at least. He was, yeah, yeah. Of, he was at the Canteen Fuss of Britain. I mean, basically. <laughs> uh, but he stars in this sex film. It was pretty much at the end of his career, obviously. Uh, Sally Geeson from the Oblong Box. And who else is in it but The Pretty Things, uh, those of you who are fans of uh, psychedelic rock and roll. Oh, um, you know, I'm glad you brought The Pretty Things up. I want to interrupt with this, if I can. Uh, the Pretty Things uh, were, like, Dick Taylor was a, was a bass player. Actually, Dick Taylor, when the Stones started, the Rolling Stones, yeah, yeah, we all know yep. me, right? When the <laughs> Rolling Stones started, he was the bass player before True. Bill Wyman came. And uh, something happened. Who knows? Time passes. But he still Dick pops Taylor. up on Yeah, he, he was does. Up like black and blue and stuff. There's a Dick Taylor playing on there. Well, Dick Dick moved to uh, something happened. He separated from these guys, and he started another R and B come rock band, which was the Pretty Things, which are great. You know, if people haven't heard the Pretty Things. I highly recommend it. They're raunchier than the Stones' early stuff. Raunchy, yep. and they're still around, although they're plagued by. Uh, alcohol abuse and uh, people dying over the years. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the but, pretty things, one of my first experiences of them was yes. reading about them having uh, some nasty incidents in caves or something, you know, supposed uh, rumors with Led Zeppelin. And you know all the rumors about Led Zeppelin's uh, uh, <laughs> life on tour. So you picture the pretty things, this is even worse. Um, and but there was they, a point I was trying to make, though. Uh, the pretty things always had trouble with getting their records released. Like, you know, they were like a Stones-type band. They were better in some cases. They, you know, they just didn't make it. And you know what happened? They actually were the house band for a lot of these British sex comedy films for a number of studios. True. And they they were called the Electric Banana. 
You know where they popped up too uh, on the soundtrack, I and mean, they may have even been in, on film in the Monster Club later on in like 1981. Yes, they are so, in uh, there. Yeah, and also Percy, which is a British sex comedy. <laughs> oh, Percy! Well, hi, hi, Will, and uh, uh-huh. girl you love, um, the blonde from uh, the Baba movie, Baron Blood. Oh, uh, Elkie Summer, yeah. Yes. Per- yeah, Percy is a great. People. Yeah, yeah, movie's full of people, yeah. But yeah, the Electric Banana did some... I actually have an Electric Banana record. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> the yeah. stuff is really cool. I mean, you know... I uh, I don't know... Yeah, it's talk about digression here, but yeah, The Pretty Things, <laughs> Electric Banana, but really, you ever watch these British sex comedies and you hear like some really cool feedback guitars, a raunchy kind of bluesy thing, and it stops after one minute, 30 seconds... You're like, what is that? Yep. It was the pretty things. Yeah. I'll have to uh, check out your collection of uh, records at some point just so I can hear some more pretty things stuff. Because I do, when you talk about these films, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. And it is always cool. And you're like, what the hell is that? Who's this electric banana? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, electric banana, yeah. So, Intimate Games is another one. Tudor Gates did this. Uh, he also did The Love Box. He, he was primarily a TV writer. You see him in a lot of British TV uh, uh, credits. Um, he in, in the film, you got Felicity Devonshire again, Susie Mandel, from, who was in both Confessions and Adventures films, which you know rival series we'll get to, plus a Mary Milling, uh, Millington, which was The Playbirds. Uh, she was on Benny Hill, and she was in The Sword and the Sorcerer, the Albert Pyun film, which I believe you had praised on one of our early shows. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I still will praise that one movie. I liked it, so I can't say nothing about it. It's not like it's something going to knock. Uh, but I know it's like, it's a Sword and Sorcerer film. A lot of them are really kind of cheesy. Uh, definitely low budget, let's put it that way. Um, and then you got more sexploitation regulars. you got Heather Dealey, uh, Monica Ringwald. Uh, who popped up in, in no relation to Molly? Uh, she popped up in Benny Hill, the Confessions films, Naughty Wives, uh, all over the place. Ian Hendry from Doom Watch, the Internecine Project, Captain Kronos, and shows like The Avengers, The Persuaders, Thriller, you know, all over the place. Uh, so again, a big cast for basically some low rent sex comedy. Uh, it was a different time, folks. <laughs> uh, Love is a Splendid Illusion uh, with Tom Clegg, who was he was the director on this. He was a regular director on Space 1999 and The Sweeney, those of you who are really into your British television of the era. Um, there's another collection out there called Sex A Go-Go, which isn't that great, but it has the yellow teddy bears in it uh, by Robert Hartford Davies, who's the director of Black Torment, and also Black Gun. Two films that, even though they share the same color in them, they couldn't be any more different. Uh, Black Torment is kind of this uh, British, uh, almost like Finn Griffin, uh, and now the screening starts. Uh, That's sort of a period piece, or the Hellfire Club, the movie. Uh, Very dark, very gothic, uh, kind of this girl winding up in a marriage, uh, Rebecca-esque, I guess. Uh, but much darker than that. And grim, I mean, it was countryside back in God knows when, you know, 1600 or something. Uh, and then you have Black Gun, which was, uh, I think Jim Brown was in that. It was a, it's a black exploiter uh, 
you know, drugs and shoot-ups and, you know, getting down the man and all that crap. I love that stuff. We could talk about black exploitation someday if you want. I don't know if you're into oh, those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, love those films. I've got a huge collection of them. Uh, and, and the crappier, the better. I mean, my, my favorites are things like uh, the Sun Ra on Spaces the Plays and a bar black Superman and a uh, guy from Harlem. and all, The ones that are really like, what the hell are they thinking? Th- those are my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolomite films, you know, the, the Warhawk Tanzania films. Uh, but anyway... Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, Sex of, Secrets of a Windmill Girl is also on there. A little kind of stiff. Arnold Miller of London and the Raw, Primitive of London, the the two uh, basically British mondos. Mm. Uh, Nudes of the World and Take Your Clothes Off and Live, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, and you know who's in it? H. Marion Crawford from the Fu Manchu films, the guy who played Petrie. <laughs> Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, but it's kind of serious. It's a, really kind of an early melodrama. It, it reminded me a bit of that one we were discussing in the French show last week uh, with the schoolgirls. Uh, same idea. You know, these girls are kind of – the yellow teddy bear is kind of like uh, – they used yeah. to say that the bears were, you know, how many t- hits of LSD you took at a, at a dead concert. This was like, you know, whether you got laid or not, you got a yellow teddy bear. Um, but, again, it's kind of stiff. Uh, Games Girls Play is one. Uh, Jack Arnold, who did you mentioned before, Tarantula, I think. Uh, Space Children, Incredible Shrinking Man, Monster on the Campus, High School Confidential, This Isle on Earth, It Came from Outer Space, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature. This guy was a big 50s sci-fi guy, and here he is doing a British sex comedy. Um, the Sex Thief with uh, Martin Campbell was a director who was also involved with Goldeneye and Eskimo Nell. Talk about films that couldn't be much different. Um, David Warbeck. You know, in you know it, it, that uh, just for, for a one. second. That 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 always amazes me that Martin Campbell started with that stuff. David Warbeck's in one of those, isn't he? Yes. Well, this is the one. The sex yeah. is, uh, David Warbeck from Twins of Evil, Craze, Ark of the Sun God, and The Beyond. <laughs> yeah, the Beyond down the barrel the wrong movie, way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, David uh, Martin Camp. Sorry, the Martin Campbell. Um. It's, it's it's bizarre, you know. The guy did these kind of movies, and he kind of like floated around for a while, and then out of the blue, he did Goldeneye, which is like the best Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. Yeah. And then they brought him back like <laughs> ten years later to do Casino Royale, which is to the date the best. Uh, of the uh, Daniel, Craig. Daniel Craig's, and and he did really uh, two really decent movies. Uh, he did these Zorro things, which I really enjoyed, um, with Catherine Zeta Jones and Antonio Banderas. Are really fun. And just for the record, since you said it in passing, I'm sure we were going to do a Bond show at some point, but I slightly disagree about Goldeneye being the best of the Brosnans. I did like it a lot. There's no question it's a good one. But I liked, uh, I believe it was the next one more, uh, The World Is Not Enough, which was the one with uh, Sophie really? Marceau. Yeah, I loved that one. It was just, first off, I was totally hot for Sophie Marceau at the time, so that may influence me. But I really enjoyed that one a lot. So, uh, oh, we're going to have a good Gold show talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as good as Goldeneye is, so I'm not arguing that much. It's kind of like a call. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying. I I I enjoy Gold Goldeneye quite a bit. That's not a bad movie either. A lot of people hate that freaking movie, and I have no idea why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, it but works. Then, it's yeah, yeah. I we don't want to we'll go there because we will. <laughs> yeah, we will. Uh, we will. We will. Um, 
So then there's another film, uh, actually a couple of them, that I really don't have too much to say about. I mean, I've been saying that much other than cast here anyway. I'm just kind of feeding them out there for people to explore if they're interested and if you have anything you want to put in. Uh, a film called Sex Clinic. by And a lot of these are like no-name directors. Bo Reamer. I went the hell did he ever go? Uh, Take an Easy Ride is one that I wish I didn't even get. I don't know how they considered it a sex. Uh, it's certainly not a comedy, but not even a sex film. Uh, it was awful. It was something about hitchhiking or and the dangers of a really, you know, old stiff prairie kind of thing. By a fellow named Kenneth Rolls. Um, keeping it up downstairs. Uh, this is getting into the Mary Millington films. Uh, yeah. Basically, those who were not around during the seventies. I was very young, but nonetheless, I remember there being a one of several big sticks. The Paper Chase was one. The Roots was another. Uh, later on, you got crap like the Thornbirds. Actually, even before that was Shogun, which I loved. But a big thing during, you know, maybe the mid to late 70s was upstairs, downstairs, this kind of dry, crass, I mean, in my eyes, I just did not like it, uh, class-conscious British drama uh, about, you know, basically the servants and their, you know, rich asshole masters. And but isn't there something <laughs> like that on now? That people there really is, like? Uh, everybody loves that Downton Abbey crap. I don't know. I don't yeah, yeah. But yeah. Same idea. Uh, yeah. Anyway, people loved this show, so uh, it it was so popular that they did a sex comedy knockoff of it, which I enjoyed. Um, Mary Millington's in it, Sue Longhurst is in it, of course. Uh, Diana Doors pops up in it, <laughs> and this is remember Diana Doors. We talk about her. We're usually not talking about her in the fifties when she was kind of a. Um, I would well, yeah, but I would classify her as even though she was trying to be Bordeaux, she was too thick for that. Even then, uh, she was kind of like a. Um, Who's the Mamie Van? She was like a Mamie Van Doren, uh, that sort of a. Yeah, well, she was kind of hot. Yeah, she's kind of hot in a way, and you can definitely see like getting with her. Uh, but you know, she's you can tell she's kind of crass. She's a little bit, you know, like you said, softing. I'm like, eh, this isn't really quite the quality you want to be settling down with. But hey, you yeah, know, good for then, a plank. Then Diana became Shirley Winters. That's the problem. <laughs> At this point, yeah. when we talk about Diana Doors all the time, we're not talking about the sexy Diana Doors. We're talking about Shelley Winters, like you said. Yeah. Brassy, bossy, kind of like, ah, 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 the old fishwife, basically. And what's funny is if you read the Miller Millington biography, which I had mentioned earlier on, they were saying how Mary really hooked up to her because she saw that as her future. Like, oh, yeah, you, I'll be like you someday. <laughs> like, what? <Yeah>. Really? <laughs> um, so let's see who else is there. Uh, Carmen Silvella. Uh, uh, Excuse me, Carmen Silvera from Alo Alo. You know, stick some cheese in your ears, Renee. She's about to sing. Uh, <laughs> Francois Pascal from uh, Roland's Iron Rose when we talked about the French films last week. Uh, and she was also in Pete Walker's School for Sex. And Peter Sellers, There's a Girl in My Suit. Um, Olivia Monday's in it from Can I Keep It Up for a Week? Confessions of a Window Cleaner and the Deadly Females. Uh, it was directed by Robert Young, once again, who did Vampire Circus, Hammer House of Horrors, Charlie Boy, if I remember that episode, with the voodoo doll. Uh, which, by the way, that episode also starred, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Avon from Blake 7, Paul Darrow, and Brigadier Bambera from Doctor Who uh, in the, uh, the survival episode of the McCoy era, uh, Angela Bruce. And guys, just like a point of reference... Now, imagine these titles were thrown out at you. Can you imagine opening up uh, a newspaper? And back in the days, there were there were movies were more well advertised. There were a lot more theaters. Yeah. And, you know, there were double bills a lot. And you would see keeping it up downstairs. What's up, nurse? What's up, super doc? 
you know, there would be a busty woman, usually a drawing, you know, a busty yeah. woman, and, and a guy f- following her, like a doctor with a, a <laughs> monocle in his eye or a thermometer in his hand. Um, uh, it, it was outrageous. You would see these things so often. Even into think, the 80s, especially, yes. you know, here in New York. I remember looking like the Daily News or something when I was at my grandfather's every Sunday, and there'd be, like you said, these little ads, and people sometimes put them online nowadays, these double bills or triple bills or yeah. whatever, that were on, you know, whatever, the, the Rialto or some shitty theater on Times Square or whatever. That was the only place they are playing. And you would see this stuff, and there'd be some crappy horror movies that maybe were at least 10 years ago, Beast of Blood with, you know, some kung fu movie with a exploitation thing with some sex comedy or yeah, maybe yeah. – uh, um, what's his name? And Andy Milligan or something. I was like, you would yeah. see this in the paper on Sunday. I'm like, what the hell? And we're talking about like you know, 1981. They're like, really? <laughs> hey, well, yeah, I I saw I saw anything's possible on a deuce. I saw a Euro crime. Uh, I think it was a Lindsay picture. Don't ask me what it was. And they were rather forgettable sometimes. And I saw a 3D John Holmes porno. <laughs> With and the third movie was was really interesting. It was uh, I think it was uh, Don't Open the Window. It was a you yeah. Know, uh, you could see black exploitation films in the same yeah. bill with you know some crappy horror film and low rent thing with a sex yeah. film or you know it didn't matter. It was crazy. Uh, but, and this was going on. Uh, as we were just saying though, you could open a newspaper like wow, look at that. <laughs> there are ads for these things that out blow your mind. And actually, I don't know how big a fan you are of that stuff, because like you said, it's, it's almost like Euro Westerns. They do blur together. But we could yeah. always do something on Euro Crime at some point, because I'm a big fan of those, those police attachments. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what am I not a big fan of that was cult cinema back in the 70s? Well, not too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, hell, I got women in prison films and non-sportation films, and I'm not really fans of those. Uh, although I do like the non-sportation sometimes, if they're done well. Um, Eskimo Nell, uh, famous one. Yeah. I don't really like it. People really jerk off over this film, uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this stupid thing. Uh, there was actually a sequel, uh, Hollywood Boulevard 2, I think it was. or Hollywood was American, right? I enjoyed that. But this yeah. one here, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's a great thing about filmmaking. It's so perfect. It is horrible. It's a terrible friggin' film. Eskimo Nell's like that. It's the British version of that. These two schlubs going around trying to make a film, and you know, it, basically they sell it five times, and you know, like the producers, I guess. And one person wants to make it a porno. One person wants to make it like a, a gay film, basically, yeah. and his boyfriend. Yeah. Another one wants to make it, you know, a, an artistic film for their church and whatever it is. And somehow, of course, they make all three films, and the prints get mixed up and go to the wrong places. And there you go. They get locked up in jail or whatever the hell it is. Uh, but what's good about it is basically the cast because you have Katie Manning in it from Doctor Who, uh, you know, Joe, and also uh, those who listen to the Big Finish audios. She's the uh, crazy and lovable Iris Wildtime. Uh, I love her. Uh, Mary Millington's in it. And Roy Kinnear from Help, Willy Wonka, and on a clear day you can see forever, if you can believe that. Um, uh, it's actually paired with a Mary Millington sex show, like I was talking about the sex show, I said pop up everywhere in these discs. Um, I don't know, you know, if you think differently on this film, I was just like so not impressed. And I was like, oh, yes, come on, no. I'm like, yeah, no, I yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, very hard movie to find, too, for uh, those completists out there. For some for some reason, at some point, you couldn't find it from uh, Amazon UK or anything, and you had to get it from Australia. 
Where now it's actually the, out there. It's actually yeah, it's, it's back out right again. Now. Yeah. You see, well, you know, like everything, things turn into uh, phases. They uh, they circulate. Sometimes exactly. you can't find shit, and you're like, "What? It costs three hundred dollars to buy this piece of crap." <laughs> and then, like, if you wait two months later, some <laughs> enterprising person has put out like a whole series of them. They're like nine pounds. Oh, it's only twenty bucks. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if you can't find something, just wait. It'll turn up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta go when the windows open, basically, and then it shuts yeah. again and it opens again. So hang in there. Um, Come play with me, which is another famous one. Which, again, even though it's got Mary Millington in it, uh, it's got uh, Sue Longhurst in it, it's got Alfie Bass from the Fearless Vampire Killers, who I believe this was the fellow we were talking about the other week about you know people that are famous actors that pop up in these sort of sex films or porn films and uh-huh. then deny it and say, oh yeah, I wasn't really there, I didn't know they were gonna make it, but they've got photos of it him offset and basically you know spanking some nude girl and having a big old smile on his face. Um, but jokes <laughs> of their career, bullshit. Uh, <laughs> prudism, I hate prudism. Um, Yo, that's my favorite Polanski movie. Really? Because I like the film, but it's like, eh. Uh, you know what I liked more was Cul de Sac. Cul de Sac's really good. That's uh, twisted, but you're a twisted yes. guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. See? <laughs> no, no, no. But serious. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, seriously though, I mean, Cul de Sac is good. Though. Yo, so is the Tenant. I love the Tenant. Which is very twisted, <laughs> but there's something about the fearless vampire killers that speaks to me. Every you know, like no one speak while I watch this movie. You know, like I must watch this again. <laughs> you know, like, but uh, you know, I love it's funny because "Come Play with Me" is the one that you played for. That was an Alfie Best digression, by the way. Yeah, exactly, Alfie yeah. Best. Uh, but. You know, it played forever in the in Piccadilly Square or over the hell, and it was a big deal. I mean, so hard I forget where they have all the sex films over there. Um, and yet, when you watch it, it was like it's kind of a really fluffy, you know, panto style comedy about you know these two mm. old folks, one of them being the director himself, uh, going around in a bad wig, and, and it's like an old folks home or something, isn't it? And there are a bunch of nurses there. It was just like a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and paired with this on the DVD is uh, Mary Milton's True Blue Confessions by John M. East, who was an actor in Doctor Who. Uh, he was in Robot, and also he did uh, Queen of the Blues and Emmanuel and Soho, uh, which is another interesting film. We'll get to that shortly. Um, the Playbirds, another Millington film. Uh, a fellow named Willie Rowe did this. And who's in it but Alan Lake. This this guy, he'll pop up again. He was yeah. uh, in Adore's Boy Toy. I don't know if they're actually married or not, but... Uh, they were definitely living together, and he was really not an actor. And yet, he wound up in a But he was in a lot of things. Though. He was in other yeah. kind of movies, too. Yeah. Was he really? Because I just know him from these sex films. Uh, he oh, popped no, up in no, the Playbirds. No. He had the lead yeah. role in Confessions from the Galaxy Affair. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he's totally unlikable as an actor. He's just kind of not very good. Like, and you know, what's he in his club med type? You know, he's walking around with his shirt open and the medallion hanging out, and look, oh, aren't I sexy? You're like, well, not really, well, you buddy. Know who, <laughs> you know who else turned up in these things too? Is Darren Nesbitt, who actually wound up directing a few. <laughs> really? You remember uh, Darren Nesbitt? I remember the name for sure. Wasn't he in yeah, a lot of television? He he was uh, the uh, very Irish Darren. <laughs> he was the very <laughs> Irish uh, blonde actor who uh, did, was really good at portraying Nazis. 
<laughs> and where Eagles dare, he's the bad guy in that. Right. With Mary Ure and Clint, Richard Burton. Uh, one of my favorite movies, actually. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. It's one of the best war movies. Yeah, yeah. It's a great fucking movie. And, um, you know, that's like, okay, you can't place who these guys are talking about. If you remember where Eagles dare, Darren Nesbitt's in that. He plays the main British, uh, sorry, the main yeah. SS soldier. But yep. he did a lot of these things playing Nazis, I guess, because he was blonde, maybe Teutonic-looking. Irish guy, and he appears in, and then wound up directing a lot of these these type of movies we're talking about. Really interesting, because you mentioned Alan Lake, and I was like, oh, yeah, Darren yeah. is, too. Yeah. And uh, another one was The Playbirds, which I did like this one a lot. Uh, Willie Rowe again, uh, Alan Lake once again. Uh, Pat Astley from Don't Open Till Christmas, The Adventures Films, and Queen of the Blues. Um yeah. And this one is basically cops going and chasing around a uh, slasher. And guess who the damn slasher is? It's, uh, what's his face? Tink from uh, Lovejoy. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. I'm like, oh my God, it's freaking Tink. What the hell is he doing here? <laughs> uh, those of you who know, once again, you're British television. I, a big fan of Lovejoy. Uh, love you, McShane. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Paired on this one is Mary Mullington's World Strip Tease Extravaganza, which is the world's worst strip show. Filmed from, you know, I, I think people say, like, oh, yeah, it's filmed from the audience. It kind of is. It's a one camera shot. Uh, you know, there's a bad comedian, and it's uh, it's just painful. Uh, <laughs> but what was interesting to me was in it, besides Millington herself, who looked kind of, I hate to say stone, but she was really kind of out of it, uh, was Julie Lee, who this was the only damn thing this girl ever did other than, like we have mentioned, a manual from Soho uh, or in Soho. Uh, a very sleazy, it's probably the sleaziest of these sex films, and maybe why it was one of the last of the uh, the golden age, I guess, of these sort of things. Um, a guy named David Hughes directed it, but I have a feeling that uh, the fellow who was behind all the Millington films uh, was David Sullivan, uh, who, who did all the, he had the magazines, and then he pushed her into films. Uh, I had a feeling he had a hand in this, because it felt like one of his productions, but even scummier. Uh, the thing about it, though, is Julie Lee, I understand from all accounts, she was kind of a really driven girl, if not a complete bitch, uh, but she was stunning. There's no question about that. She is a gorgeous Asian girl, or at least Eurasian. Uh, and in that respect, it's a pleasure to watch her. I, they say that she couldn't act at all. She doesn't have too many lines, just like Millington. So it's like, well, okay, the fact that they didn't give her too many lines might say something, but I can't really judge whether she's a horrible actress or not because she's not talking enough. But uh, really just seeing her visually, is like, wow, what a good-looking girl. And unfortunately, right after she did this, and you would think that she was kind of going to go on to at least uh, more of these type of films, if not bigger and better things, she got pissed off that she – apparently she didn't win a beauty contest somewhere – uh, threw a fit, got in the car, gunned the gas, and basically went in a car accident and hit a tree and died. So, uh, unfortunately, this was really, other than that uh, slight appearance in Mary Millington's World Strip, he's extravagantly the only film she has ever done, and uh, her main claim to fame. And yet, you know, it made enough of an impression with people that people still talk about it to this day. It's still out there. Uh, and for those who are into these sort of things, I would definitely recommend taking a look at it, at least. Um... You had mentioned, or I mentioned, the David, Confessions of David Galaxy Affair. Ridiculous film. <laughs> uh, 
it's basically Alan Lake talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall the whole time. Uh, but I you don't remember him. Alan. You don't. Re- I'm sorry, but you don't remember yeah. Alan Lake from other type of movies that period, like besides these kinds of films. Only to me, he's a familiar films. face. Yeah, really. Only from okay. these films, but you know who knows. And since you are like you know the what was it the uh, the Maven of Sleaze? Maybe it's because he's been doing films. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's a regular. Like, he hasn't done anything with porn films. But uh, <laughs> these aren't really porn films, folks. They're kind of, no, uh, you know, if, if anything, they're they're light R, if not even hard R. Uh, but basically, uh, the David Galaxy affair, he's kind of like a huckster. He's For some reason, he's on the run from either the law or the tax man throughout the entire film. Uh, and, meantime, and, and he's sort of the sort that we don't freaking trust him either. He's got that face. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Who That's trust this guy? He's yeah. not he's not entirely unlikable, but he's kind of sleazy. Like I said, and you know he's gonna he's somehow he's always stealing all these girls, uh, you know, from their boyfriends. And they actually, well, that's some, the other the, thing too. Like, really, who writes these things? Because who the fuck would fuck this guy? You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it's like Larry. We were talking about Larry before. He wow. is the British Larry. <laughs> uh, and I remember yeah, there's one the point where Larry. there you go. Friends of his were taking bets on whether he would be able to, you know, seduce whoever, Mary Milton or something. And like, it, that's the kind of movie this yeah. is. Like, huh? um, but it's got, besides Lake and, of course, Diana Dorsey's wife or squeeze, wherever she was, uh, Anthony Booth, who was Sid from the Confessions films, and Rosemary England, who was a very pretty girl that basically was being groomed to be the next Mary Millington. I don't think it ever happened, but nonetheless. Uh, so that's kind of it with the Millington films. Now, uh, one of the series, there was two really big series that were uh, in Britain at this time, and this one was actually the knockoff, which was the Adventure series. It only lasted about three yeah. films. Get them in a nice yeah. little set in England. Uh, Adventures of a Plumber's Mate, which featured, as I uh, remember enjoying, Prudence Draga from uh, Eskimo Nell, Virgin Witch, Adventures of a Taxi Driver. Uh, Claire Davenport from Carry On Emmanuel, which you had mentioned earlier, Intimate Games, and Derek Jarman's Jubilee, of all things. Um, Susie Mandel, who pops up on a lot of these things. Liz Fraser from both of the Confessions and the Adventures films. She actually did two in each series, which is interesting. Who was the guy in this? Was it Barry Evans? Uh, well, one of them was Barry Evans, and the other two were... Uh, this one was not. This one was uh, Christopher Neal, his replacement. Um... Oh, okay, okay. Adventures of a Private Eye, which is the the next one I was going to mention, which is has Susie Kendall okay. from In the Devil's Garden. If anyone's seen that one, it's very good. Craze, which still has to make it to DVD, people. Uh, somebody out there, wake up, put it out. Jack Palance is a killer. Torso? Uh, Torso? Uh, it's Torso, yes, is another one. Spasmo, uh, another Lindsay film. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Tales That Witness Madness. So she was in a lot of, uh, you know, basically cult films from that period. Uh, Diana Doors, of course, pops up in this. Liz Fraser, like I mentioned. Irene oh, Hand- my God. Susie's in Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yes, she is. You were correct. <laughs> she was in the freaking place. I mean, you couldn't get away from Susie Campbell in the 70s. Um, Irene Handel from Confessions of a Driving Instructor uh, and Doctor Who, Who Done It star, and my favorite doctor, John Pertwee. John Pertwee's in this fucking thing, people. Uh, <laughs> 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 I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, is that John Pertwee? And then I put on Eskimo Nell. I was like, holy shit, Joe's there. Like, well, it's a Doctor Who reunion. But two different movies, but still. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you notice as I've gone through this, there's a lot of Who people showing up in these things, too. Um, 
And the one you were looking for, Barry Evans, he did Adventures of a Taxi Driver, which was actually the first one, but in my opinion, the least. Because there was something about Barry that was just – he kind of is like – he's actually very much like the guy we're talking about that plays the Larry analog in Man About the House, but not even that likable. He's very cockney, very brusque. Uh, he kind of comes off as being very angry, like he's more ready to deck you than make out with somebody. Um, you know, it's got its place, but more as a thug, not as the lead of a sex comedy. Um, it's kind of and, – and, you know, the Adventures films and the Confessions films, there was a bit of a down market thing to them because they were playing to and about, you know, lower-end, uh, east-end-type uh, families, which, okay, fine. Yeah. But True, true. This, Barry Evans was really, you know, he was no Robin Asquith, let's put it that way. Uh, so, but, you know, for his, to his credit, he was in some Pete Walker films like uh, Die Scream Marianne. Uh, Judy Cheeson was in this from Inseminoid, Carry On England, Fear in the Night, A Candle for the Devil. Goodbye, oh, man, Inseminoid is such a bizarre movie, man. Wow. Goodbye, Gemini, Doomwatch, Kill for the Devil, Fear of the Night. This girl was in a whole bunch of shit, too. Another one you couldn't get away from in the 70s. And, you know, again, pretty girl. Um, but again, I think of the Avengers films, it's my least favorite. And I know that's not a popular opinion. I know some people are saying, oh, the, the films weren't as good after he left. No, no, they got better after he left. Well, um, the Confessions movies aren't that much better. I, I, I think what's think going so? on... No, it, they're okay, but I think what's going on is I think there's a realization that over in America, adult films are being shown in theaters and they're popular and they're scandalous. And we we covered some of this ground uh, a couple of weeks ago. Right. And over in England, because it's more puritanical, they didn't really make adult features. So this is just, what they could do is try to play with the themes that, as you just described and outlined, you know? Right. Until Derek Ford showed up. <laughs> <laughs> but Confessions films, I liked them a lot more than the Adventure films. Not that I didn't like the Adventure films, because I do. I think they're no, some no, of the best. Confessions are good. Yeah, yeah. But, but Confessions, I don't Maybe it's just because of Robin Asquith, because I like him a lot. Everything he pops up in. Uh, I mean, he was in Queen Kong. He was in Horror Hospital. He was in a couple of Pete Walker films, uh, Flesh and Blood Show, Cool at Carol, and the one that oh, I you know, fortunately, yeah. Four Dimensions of Greta. <laughs> uh, somebody put that yeah. back out and did yeah, guys, we we were we were uh, your co-host and I, Doc Savage, uh, were discussing our series two, which we have one more show in series one, and then right into that we go into series two. And we're discussing the next bunch of shows, right. and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And you actually mentioned a while back Pete Walker, and you know yes. I, it slipped my mind, and I was like, oh my god, there's so many bizarre, truly weird Pete Walker movies. Yeah, and we should definitely do a Pete Walker show. I think it, because he didn't do as many, we could do Pete Walker and Norman Warren probably together. Oh, um, yes. Because both are very similar, and I love them both. Those are actually, and you know, people are going to think I'm strange for saying this, those are my two favorite British filmmakers. Uh, oh, it's really the one. Enjoyed I think it's a Norman movie with the two lesbians, girls. That's right. Oh, my God. What a film. <laughs> love that movie. A uh, little yeah. dark, but that's the thing. Normal very dark, but good stuff. Yeah. But the uh, swing back, the swing back, dude, we're talking about Robin Asquith. You know, I always liked him. Yeah. There's what guy looks like Brian Jones and McJagger? Exactly. 
I was gonna yeah. say he looks like fucking Brian Jones, and you're right, he's got that Mick Jagger esque to him too. Yeah. Because uh, originally, looked- when I heard about him before I even saw him, people say, "Oh yeah, this guy looks like Mick Jagger." And this is like sex one. Like, what are you talking about? But yeah, it's definitely a mix. Yeah, uh, yeah. He looks like Brian Jones and Mick Jagger. He's got, he's got, he's got a, a fantastic personality. He portrays. He's perfect for these movies. I was gonna say I don't know the guy personally. I never really saw any interviews with him, but he seems like I want to say right away he's such a nice guy. I mean, you really want to root for him, which is perfect for these kind of films, especially yeah. since he's always basically you know sticking his foot in it, not even necessarily looking for trouble, but always getting into it. Uh, Loads of fun. And they actually did four Confessions films, uh, one of them being yeah. Confessions. Uh, oh, actually, I didn't finish. So besides everything yeah. else, I mentioned it was at Queen Kong, Horror Hospital, a couple of Pete Walker films, Horror on Snape Island, <laughs> those of you who have seen Tower of Evil. Uh, oh, and yeah. I was going to huckster- I'll let you go. Yeah, go ahead. His huckster older brother, Sid, was a fellow named Anthony Booth, and he pops up in things a lot. I actually saw him recently on The Saint as a thug. Uh, and Sheila Weiss, uh, she, Sheila White, I should say, she's kind of difficult to take in these films. Uh, she's always pregnant. She's kind of his, like, trashy, I don't know if she's his wife or his living girlfriend or what, but, uh, you know, always putting her feet up, demanding ice cream and yelling at everybody. I, it's supposed to be making fun of, you know, low-end families, but it's just like, oh, this is hard to watch. But but, you know, uh, like I said, Asquith kind of saves the day, and a lot of pretty women and a lot of genuinely funny slapstick. I know I, there was one of them where he pops up in the middle of a stage, like in you know, the trap door in the middle of it. You know, yeah. yeah. Or the one in the record uh, thing when he knocks all the records. I mean, or the uh, the one at the holiday camp. I mean, loads of fun. You're, you're actually, if you turn your brain off just a little bit, you don't have to be totally off. You're gonna be laughing your ass off. These films are fun. The, um, the, Robin, the Robin, yeah, I agree. The Robin Asquith films are really good. Uh, he's uh, genuinely comforting. He's a comforting presence as an actor. Yes, and it's it's rather surprising he didn't go on to bigger and better. Um, the, the 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 couple of movies uh, you name checked a minute ago, the Horror yeah. uh, uh, and Snap Tower of Evil. There, he wound up being in some of the stranger ones. Yes, and both of, both of those, both the ones you just mentioned, are really dark. And we're going to talk about them shortly in a couple of weeks. And yeah, um, it's it's a shame um, because this guy could have been a freaking superstar. I mean, I I mean that's my own personal belief. I thought he was a decent actor, not just some of the confessions yeah. films, how likable he was, but in these horror films, I liked him. That was my first exposure to this guy for yeah, many years. I, did not, yeah. I only saw the confession films. I'll make a confession to you. A confession about confessions. I yeah. only saw the confession films in their entirety. Well, how, how many months ago was it? Because remember I told you about it. So I just got this box set from England, and right. I really I watched them all in like one day or something. I was like, I enjoyed right. the shit I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Great stuff. I mean, I just discovered it, but I knew but Asquith. But you saw anyways. Tower of Evil, right? Oh, yeah. I knew him for many years from Horror Hospital, from the Walker right. movies, from Tower yeah. of Evil, from Queen Kong. And I always liked him. He's, he was yeah. a decent actor, a likable guy. I think I'm, I'm just going to have to guess he got typecast as either, you know, to some extent, this sleazy horror guy and to the better extent as being, you know, the guy from Confessions. Uh, no, no. Actually, I think what happens, he, 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 he retreated to the stage. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he ended up on the stage, and um, uh, last time, <laughs> actually, if you go search Bing, um, the last time I saw photos of him, I think I looked about a year or two ago, 
He's still act. He was still acting unless he's dead. Which you know, either way. Um, I thought he recently wrote a book, like an autobiography. So I don't think he's dead. So before he died, he wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) So if he's if he's dead, dead, he wrote a book before he died. But if he's still alive, he wrote a book. So anyway, um, so these films here, to run through them real quick, uh, Confessions of a Window Cleaner. Uh, Val Guest directed this one. Linda Hayden's in I Met Linda Hayden. She is gorgeous still to this day. Uh, always had a thing. No, it's the same convention you uh, were dealing with. Was that uh, there? I, I no, no. don't remember. You must have been, but I don't remember. Uh, I thought you were always at those damn conventions. Maybe you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Joe, I'm not there. Still there. She's still gorgeous. I actually at the time I still knew her from things like you know Angel Blake and uh, what was it the Devil? Uh, it's one of those Devil worship movies. Everybody. Blood on Satan's Claw. That's it. And oh, yeah. uh, I got her to sign that, which is a nice photo and whatever. Oh, is but, it Linda in the House on Straw Hill? Yes, that's another one. But at this point, I was like, damn, I wish I had a photo of her like as the the policewoman, you know, that that outfit from uh, one of the Confessions films, because you know I love this. She's great. <laughs> Uh, she was in films like we you know, just mentioned. Let's go to those. Old Dracula, which uh, was also – what did they call it? Not Blackula. Uh, it was the one with David Niven. Vampira, that's it. With, with David Niven yeah. and uh, really pretty uh, black exploitation star. Uh, Teresa Graves. Teresa Graves, thank you. She was like uh, – she was in the TV series, like Get Christy Love or something, wasn't she? Uh, oh, she was. Get Christy Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, trust me, I know my black exploitation. Even just you know, off the cuff here, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember her. That she was TV. That's not black exploitation. <laughs> Come on, it was still black exploitation. What the Shaft TV series wasn't black exploitation? Come on. <laughs> Who's in that? Uh, what the Shaft TV series? That's Richard Roundtree. Who's in? But it didn't last. It, it wasn't that good. Remember how he like oh. the film started getting worse and worse as he went on, like Shaft's big score and all that. This was the same idea. It was even less. They toned it down a lot. He wasn't the no bad motherfucker. in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I like just in Africa. Come on, <laughs> that scene when they stripped him down and, they, and he's like in the desert thing and, and with the hut. And the guy comes up to him and says, "Oh yes, I see you." He makes some comment about his dick and he looked down and he smacked him in the head. It was great. Yeah, I love those movies. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, and I met him too, Roundtree. He's actually one of the stiffest black exploitation actors I've met. And most of the guys I met were really cool. Uh, you know, I, 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 the hammer was hilarious. He was macking on my wife, and I was just like, all right, whatever, it's the hammer. And she was laughing about it, too. I was like, what? Is he coming on to me? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, the, the hammer is one of the best interviews I ever did. He's great. I love that guy. Uh, Jim Two and Kelly's- a half hours on the phone, man. Oh, my God. Jim Kelly was a wonderful guy, really sweet guy. Uh, you know, Pam Greer, another really nice one. Uh, Isaac Hayes, one of the best guys I've ever run into, famous person. Uh, you know, I've I got a bunch of them on my walls. I have to look around and see who the hell they even got. Yeah, Huggy uh, Bear's coming. Huggy Bear's coming. Oh, fuck Huggy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the only ones that wasn't, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. I mean, and it's too big because I liked Huggy Bear. I was like, hey, man, I got something for you. Uh, but anyway. Uh, you know what's He's like that. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's not the impression I got. He seemed like he was all, you know, basically just about making money in his hand. Was like, yeah, wait, that's another story. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way he is. He's like, hey, how are you? Hey, man. That's like, <laughs> 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 All right, man, I got something for you. Come on over here, baby. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so anyway, old yeah, Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. 
House of, Str- of Straw Hill, like you had mentioned, Expose, Madhouse, Taste the Blood of Dracula, Blood on Satan's Cross. This girl was everywhere, and yet, honestly, like I said, if he had known at the time, if I'd seen these films, I would have got something from Confessions, just because I really, she's very sexy, she's loads of fun, uh, and again, she's sweet. She's got that kind of a, a vibe yeah. about her. Like Asquith, they were a perfect couple for these, and they popped them in like two or three films together here. Um, so let's see, uh, who else was in this thing? Joan Hickson. Was I kind of got the feeling that though. Yeah, I I kind of got the feeling that Linda Hayden though might have been what affected by appearing in these kind of movies and kind of like sure. disappeared after a while. For yeah. sure, I mean that happens a lot, especially to the women in these things, unfortunately. Uh, you know, some of it's typecasting, and a lot of it's just you know puritanism. Unfortunately, people are just uptight, and they see you as oh, she's one of those. I'm, Come on, really? You, what, you don't, you don't well, get second well, chances. Well, decent person? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think that would be the correct term to use. I, I, I just think, yeah, maybe not so much uptight. I just think I, they're appearing in this movie. Yeah, they know what's going on. They signed on for the movie. They're getting paid. Blah blah blah. They're acting in it. I just think, like, by the second or third movie, I think something's going on in them. You know, maybe some different kind of servants of their life or their culture. Maybe it's a, a deeply religious thing for them. Who the hell knows? Who knows? <laughs> and they disappear. <laughs> yeah, they disappear off the face of the earth. You know? But, yeah, I mean, strangely enough, Joan Hicks and the future Miss Marple was in Confessions of a Window Cleaner. So any of you Miss Marple fans out there that write, like, oh, look how pretty she is, always getting everybody's business, like Mercy wrote, go watch Confessions of a Window Cleaner and change your mind. Uh, Catch a Wyeth is in this, from Straight On Till Morning, Twins of Evil, Hands of the Ripper, and A Clockwork Orange. Uh, and that was just the first movie in the series. Uh, Confessions of a Driving Instructor. Norman Cohen directed this one. Um, Linda Bellingham from Doctor Who's Trial of Time Lords in it. Susie Mandel's in it once again. Uh, Sally Faulkner from Jose Larraz Vampires, of all things. Um, Confessions of a Holiday Camp, which is probably my favorite of them. Again, Norman Cohen. Uh, he you, did you all three. You scare me, man. You're like encyclopedic with your Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> you know, when I go through these things, I'm like, okay, who's in this that you know I might care about? I might want to say something about. And I'm like, oh my god, look, it's another Doctor Who actor. Oh, it's me. So yeah, I'm a huge I'm a, Who. I, I, I'm a huge Who fan too, but for a certain period. So like, this, uh, you would kill me in this, man. <laughs> no, no, we we should do a Who show, and my wife didn't want us to do it because you know my opinions would be unpopular, especially among the Nuvians, because I'm not a Nuvian. And, uh, but <laughs> you know, I watch the show, but I'm like, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's too different. I don't like I don't like Peter. What's his name anyway? So yeah, well, like I said, we've had some discussions off air, and we can do it on air at some point if you want. <laughs> want to stir the people up? That'll be a show for everybody to tune in. Like, yeah, yeah, right. we, yeah, we, we, yeah. It it's come up. Yeah, we should do a Doctor Who show. What the hell, right? Uh, so, uh, anyway, like I said, the other three films, uh, except for the Val Guest one we mentioned earlier, all by Norman Cohen. Uh, this third one now, Confessions of a Holiday Camp, which, like I said, is my favorite. Uh, Linda Hayden's in it again. Benny Hill's Angel, uh, Sue Upton. Uh, yeah. Penny Meredith from Ups and Downs of a Handyman, which is another one of these that's kind of fun. Uh, kind of a knockoff of the Adventure series, if you will. Uh, and Pete Walker's Flesh and Blood show, and Benny Hill. So, once again, we got Benny Hill connections here. And the, not the last one, but the last one I was going to mention, which was Confessions of a Pop Performer. Uh, Rula Lensk is in it. Uh, we mentioned Piccolari, Mr. Jones, and Queen Kong. Uh, David Prowse from Star Wars and Frankenstein from the Monster and Hells in right. this one. 
So there you go. You can go see Darth Vader in a, in a sex film. Uh, <laughs> loads of fun. And, um, and Rula Lanska was a rock volleys, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now she was a big name. People know who she was back then. A very uh, prominent uh, cult figure, I guess, of the, the 70s. Uh, and not related directly, but you know, very similar to the Avengers films, is Ups and Downs of a Handyman, uh, directed by somebody yeah. named John, John Seeley. And it had Barry Stokes from the Sci-Fi Cheese Fest Enemy Mine. Anybody who's seen that one, it's uh, one of those uh, full moon cheese jobs. Uh, it's actually out on disc now, I think, from one of those shout, like, you know, four movies on a disc. I think that is quite movie. It's hilarious. I don't remember who the hell else was in it, but uh, I watched it maybe about a month ago. I'm like, wow, this movie, I remember seeing it on Skinamax. It sucked them, but it's it's it, Oh, it, no, it sucked we must be thinking of something else. No, no. Yeah. Um... Hawk the Slayer. Anybody remembers that one? Kind of a drive. oh, John Terry. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about that film? It's got Christopher Benjamin, who is Jago from Jago and Lightfoot. Uh, they were also from Doctor Who, from the Towns of Wen Chang Ang, and uh, Big Finish spun them off into what was until they did the Pathfinder Legends, my absolute favorite Big Finish series, Jago and Lightfoot. I love that uh, Victorian era. They're sort of like bumbling detectives that really shouldn't be detectives. The one guy, obviously, uh, those of you who've seen Towns of Wang Chang, the one guy is a theater owner and uh, uh, loves to talk and throw out big words, but he's just kind of like a blustering idiot. And the other one is a uh, coroner of all things, but very stiff and proper and British. And uh, the two of them go around solving crimes and mysteries and whatever. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, so he is in Hawk the Slayer. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Christopher friggin' Benjamin. What's he doing here? Um and let's see who else is in this. So Barry Storks was also in Norman Warren's Prey and Spaced Out. Uh, Sue Lloyd's in it from here's another cheese fest that came up recently. Uh, Jackie Collins uh, did two films. Uh, Joan Collins uh, was in them. The Stud and the Bitch. The Bitch is actually yeah. terrible, but The Stud, I love that freaking movie. It is so sleazy. It's so decadent. It is, isn't it? Disco oh era death. I love this film. It's a camp classic. Those of you who are into camp, you must go out and check this film out. Uh, those of you who are into Joan Collins when she was back when she was sexy before she became this camp classic in the eighties here, uh, during the seventies when she was basically a dolly bird, uh, and it's so freaking sleazy. It's great, and actually, the guy that stars in it is very much like a uh, Barry Evans type, but you know, again, more like. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, let's see. He. Oh, and he was also in the Peter Cushing slasher Corruption, uh, which is a strange one. Cushing always disowned that oh, film. That goes this. back. That goes back to '68, '69, though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Valerie was in it. <laughs> of all people, big busted Helly Louise from Sarno's Daddy Darling, Benny Hill, and Carry On Behind. Mm. <laughs> um, but you know, again, a fun film. Not as good as the other uh, two series we've mentioned, but it's close. Queen Kong, I've mentioned many times. Uh, Rua Lenska, uh, Robin Asquith, Valerie Own, uh, Vicky Michelle from Virgin Witch and Aloha Low. And it was directed by, guess who? Frank Agarama from Dawn of the Mummy. <laughs> Two more You know, picture. I like that movie. I love Dawn of the Mummy. It's it's crap, but it's fun. and It's eminently watchable, kind of like Zombie Lake. Um, but yeah, the thing is, yeah. you can't you two different, more different films than Queen Kong and Dawn of the Mummy, and this guy did them both, so go figure. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I... Okay. Oh, you're dropping out again, my co-host. Are you, you recording from Mars? <laughs> Maybe so. Can you hear me now? Am I there? I hear you now, but you kind of disappeared from it. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, so, yes, am I there? 
Okay, oh. yes. You're there now. Okay. All right, well, yes, let me know if I keep dropping out. <laughs> let me know if I keep dropping yeah, out. Dropped I don't know. Out. All right. You keep uh, dropping out, yeah. Still? Still going? Yeah, still, yeah. Shit. All right, so let's see. I'll try this. Okay. All right, so He's not experimenting with body parts to our <laughs> normal listeners, just in case. Well, am I back now? Or he may be. I don't know. You don't hear me you yet? You are back now. Okay, good. I want to make sure. And am I consistent? You can still hear me talking through all of this nonsense that I'm saying. Or no? You you are consistently not. Yes, yes no. Okay, yeah. well, there, that's another story. But, <laughs> um, there were a couple of films that they put out under the header of Saucy 70s. Uh, Naughty, I had mentioned earlier, Stanley Long from the Adventures films and Sex and the Other Woman, uh, which has Jane Cardew from Demons of the Mind, Pete Walker's Flesh and oh. Blood Show, and Four Dimensions of Greta, and The Love Box, which is another one. And believe it or not, it has cameos, because it's supposed to be a uh, documentary, from Alan Gold's team from Screw and Midnight Blue. Midnight Blue, you've got to see those discs if you have not seen the DVDs. There's a couple of them that stink. Don't bother with the documentary, and don't bother the one with the Hollywood stars. They're terrible. But the ones with the sex stars of each decade, you've got to get them. And the Freaks and Geeks one is also really good. Uh, it was a cable show that they had. Screw had a cable show back in the early and, and, and don't get – yeah, don't – don't confuse that with electric blue. Uh, no, no, that's a porn. <laughs> oh, you! But I've heard the no. That, actually, electric blue was no. Electric blue was another. Uh, it was like a soft car thing. Was it okay? I always heard it was a porn. Who knows? It was, yeah, it was, uh, I saw it. I remember. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they had this cable show that was on in New York. I had not seen it, but uh, watching these DVDs, I'm like, wow, this is freaking awesome. And there's commercials in there for like Plato's Retreat and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Obviously, all pre-AIDS, but uh, yeah, fascinating show. I remember this stuff. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great, and they leave the commercials in. Like I said, it. it very well worth your time to check out the Midnight Blue disc. Just like I said, avoid a couple of them. Avoid the Hollywood one. Avoid the documentary, which is horrible. Uh, but most of them are really good. Um, and you know who else is in this damn film? Feminist, uh, Jermaine Greer. You, you, <laughs> what? What? Uh, oh, if you, yeah. yeah, Jermaine Greer is in this thing. And if you listen to her talking, she actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, there, there's only two of them I can say that about. The other one was... Uh, uh, Camille Paglia. I always liked her because she was kind of iconoclastic. Uh, but anyway, so all these people are in this movie. Then you've got other ones, uh, The Wife Swappers, with Derek Ford directed that, and The Love Box, which was another Tudor Gates production with Nicola Austin. Uh, there's a girl in it that goes by Mina Bird, believe it or not. She's actually the black girl you'll recognize from The Stud, Old Dracula, and Four Dimensions of Greta. You'll see her a lot popping up and stuff. Uh, so, you know, again, these films yeah. are kind of lesser, but they're still enjoyable. Uh, Confessions of a Sex Maniac and Love Variations, which are both from Alan Birkinshaw. And Birkinshaw himself, another weirdo. He did films like Invaders of the Lost Gold with Stuart Winman and Laura Gemser. That's a really funny uh, pseudo-adventure uh, film from the uh, early 80s or mid-80s. Killer's Moon, which is a really bad slasher. And a version of The Mask of the Red Death that front-listed Frank Stallone, which should say it all. <laughs> uh 
let's see what else we got here. She'll follow you anywhere with me lie, which is why I got it. Uh, also in it are the Collinson twins from Twins of Evil. Uh, let's see who else. Penny Brahms from Dracula AD 1972, 2001, and Dean Martin's Matt Helm, The Ambushers. So, again, you get strange casts in these films. These are not like yeah. low-rent casts. Um, what the Swedish butler saw, which was based on a famous Victorian porno novel called A Man with a Maid. I like this film a lot, and it basically showcases Sue Longhurst. Uh, Diana Doors is in it, and there's a cast of yeah. Swedes. It's great. I mean, if you enjoy, you know, basically Victorian porn where they talk about, like, you know, their bubbies and their copious spend and all this kind of crap, it's the same freaking idea made into a movie. Uh, and, you know, they sort of, I mean, I hate to say took it seriously because it's a sex comedy, but you, you get the impression that it was not being, like, completely mocked all the way through. I'm like, all right, I, I could deal with this. This is fun. I, I really enjoyed that film. But I did. Wasn't this a movie that was remade as a porn in America's naughty Victorians? It's very possible. I'm not familiar with that, but you know, then again, I'm not the maven of sleeves. <laughs> you are no question. As much as I may know or may not know about the porn world, you are definitely way ahead of me. <laughs> and I, I mean I that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is that good or bad? <laughs> you know, I don't, like 42nd Street Pete here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I think dwarf. it is, though. I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. The Sinful Dwarf. I mean, there's, there's a couple versions Whoa. floating around. If you ever get the chance, get the Triple X version. It's the better one. Uh, it's a sleazy, dirty film. When you see it, you're going to want to take a shower. There's this disgusting dwarf in it. And I mean that. You know, maybe I'll do comes a little bit where, but if you see this guy, he is just, I don't know, he looks like a, a garbage pill kid come to life. And somehow, the reason I mention this is not just because, okay, the poor guy's a dwarf, so what? Uh, I've got a lot of films with midgets in it, and I enjoy the hell out of them, and I respect the actors. This guy, Torben, I don't know, apparently he was on a kid show in Sweden, but yet here he yeah. is, and he's... He's worse than Ralphus, Louis de Jesus from uh, Bloodsucking Freaks. And I enjoy Ralphus, yeah, but the same idea, that kind of sleaziness, amplify that to like 20. You know 20 what? times as you got Torben. <laughs> Go ahead. It reminds me of a freaking movie, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks. Oh, I love that film. It's crap. But it's <laughs> oh, you love that? That's it. It's over. I'm not talking to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disgusting, sleazy film, but it's funny. I mean, you, you can't take it seriously, Sardu. So, come on. <laughs> no, remember, come on. Not, some some guy knocking out a girl's teeth so he can get a bloody blowjob? That's disgusting. <laughs> Even to me. Well, come on. Remember, <laughs> it, it, the dwarf got head from the head, the severed head. It, but the funny thing is, uh, my drummer's using this film. This is a big like film at the time. Oh, you guys see this fucking movie? You'll love this. And I was sitting there with my mouth hanging. I'm like, what the hell? And the best thing is, this is where my infamous grandfather was living in our house. I think I had mentioned that on a previous show. And uh-huh. he kind of wandered in, and he had this way of kind of leaning on couches and huffing and puffing. Her, and he stood there watching that very scene as the girl was there and they were kind of like tickling or whipping or whatever the hell with the guillotine and she got her head cut off and, and you know, Ralphus did that they had given head and he's like oh, oh my <laughs> and we were like part of the fun was just like watching his reactions like looking over his shoulders like pretending not to notice he's there like okay what's he doing now <laughs> and then he walked yeah, off God knows what he thought <laughs> Yeah, but, but both both these movies I dislike a lot, and then oh. well, I can see why. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, it's not like, yeah. it's not like I like it. Like, oh, let me show this to my wife. It's more like this is so ridiculous. It's hilarious. I, you know, you, you put it on at a, a party with friends you know are really cool and really want to see something ridiculous. That kind my of thing. Wife, why you like that? She's fucking twisted. <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah. Like we 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 go to Netflix. She goes, oh, let's watch the movie where they gang rape the girl and lock her in a trunk and then rape her again. Like, no, I don't want to watch that. My wife didn't talk to me. Days like that. She says, "Why are you films you watching that people getting raped in it?" I'm like, "I'm not feeling that. You know, it's just like part of these damn films. You watch these crappy horror films, these whatever the hell from the 70s, and it's somehow there's always a fucking rape in it. It's not my fault. I don't know. Like she thinks it's a good story in there. I'm like, no, I don't want. I refuse. But yeah, I mean, the, so realize now, taking all that back. I like Bloodsucking Freaks for what it is. I mean, yes, it's disgusting, it's cheesy, it's horrible, whatever. It's, it's tasteless, it's misogynistic. All right, fine. But, you know, it's still like a campy, like, I can't bring your friends over every couple of years, like, look at Ralph. Oh, as I, don't uh, I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting show, should ever we talk about this film or this director? <laughs> but, <laughs> but remember this, what I'm trying to get at is, I think yeah. that way about that film. I think the simple dwarf is fucking distasteful. So that says all of the simple dwarf. No, no, I agree. Simple dwarf is like really like it's up there. So yeah, it's so nasty. And like I said, this guy Torben, he's disgusting, and he's like jumping up and down, practically playing with himself, excited about you know these girls that are getting drugged up and you know abused and used as prostitutes and by these old men. And oh my god, and they try to recruit but it this guy. Seventies, don't forget it was the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the girl in is Jeanette Morrison from Confessions of a Sex Maniac, which is a sex comedy, mind you. Uh, but everybody else like a cast of unknowns for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was an interesting sex comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cynthia's sister, I don't know if you've ever seen this one, from something weird. Uh, Arnold Baxter directed it. Maureen Flanagan from Dracula 8072, The Love Box, and Benny Hill. But, in that but don't you think this leads to the period, though, where this stuff was dying out? And yeah, we're, we're, get, we're getting a little harder now. We're getting into the harder stuff. That's exactly it. Um, although I'm kind of bouncing around because here you got permissive. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Another yeah. dreadful puritanical thing with Nicola Osteen in it. Uh, and directed by Lindsay Shantef, who did 1964's variant of The Devil Doll and Curse of the Voodoo, which is a, a film that I actually kind of enjoyed. Um, well, he's on even, yeah. Yeah, uh, That Kind of Girl, which is uh, Jerry O'Hara, who did Tony Curtis' The Mummy Lives, Joan Collins' The Bitch, and The Pleasure Girls, with Tuppence Paris for herself, Francesca Annis, and Doctor Who's Polly, Annika Wills. Uh, that's The Pleasure Girls we're talking about, which uh, this guy directed. Um, Virginia Weatherill from The Cockroach Orange, Disciple of Death, Demons of the Mind, Dr. Jekyll's Sister Hyde, Curse of the Crimson Altar, Pete Walker's The Big Switch and Man of Violence. This girl was everywhere, so this film, That Kind of Girl, she's in it. Again, kind of distasteful, puritanical, whatever. But, you know, if you're into that stuff, there you go. Kind of dry kitchen sick melodrama. Uh, what, what I already mentioned, The Bitch and the Stud. Um, you know, the the bitch actually has Ian Hendry in it and Sue Boyd and Pamela Salem, who is Bella from Into the Labyrinth. Uh, anybody who remembers that kid's show? Enjoyed the hell out of that one. Uh, but it's nowhere near as good as The Stud. The Stud is so decadent and so great. And the bitch is kind of boring. There's a lot of disco in it, but otherwise, there's not much to recommend to that one. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And if anybody like ever had a thing with Joan Collins, I wanted to see her naked and busty, oh, yeah. and hairy, fullness. Naked and fucking her brains out in an elevator. With, <laughs> she's got a leg up in the air and she's doing I mean, unbelievable. I'm sitting there watching. I was like, 
is this for real? Did she really do this? And her sister wrote this? What? Uh, uh. I think uh, her sister died last week, I think. Yes, she did. So it's actually uh, kind of timely. Yeah. Um, kind of timely. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, it's like, here you go. She just died and we're talking about it. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, um, you're almost as bad as I am. <laughs> I don't know if it's a company or not. Well, uh, so we're going to leave uh, Warren and Walker aside. Just because of, you know, they did sex films. It's worth just throwing the names out there, and we'll talk about them when we do this show. Uh, her Private Hell, Norman Warren, and Spaced Out. Uh, her Private Hell had Lucio Maduno from Navajo Joe, Danger Diabolic, and Jane Mansfield, Mondo, Primitive Love. Those have seen that one. And Jeanette Wilde from Dr. Sister, Jack and Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Uh, Spaced Out had a Robin Asquith clone named Tony Maiden. Uh, if you remember that movie, that was loads of fun. Yes. And I was like, I actually thought it was Asquith for a while. I'm like, no, it's not Asquith. Who the hell is this guy? Uh, and Barry no, Stokes not, from no. Up and Down's The Handyman. And Gloria Annan from Felicity and the Kustark Justine. Um, and then Pete Walker had done a couple of sex films at the start of his career. I Like Birds, uh, which was also known as From Men Only, with Derek Aylward, who went on from respectable BBC teleseries and broadcast plays to doing CD stuff for Walker, like The Big Switch, Man of Violence, School for Sex, I Like Birds, Cool at Carol. And eventually the guy wound up in Mary Millington films like Come Play With Me and the Playbirds. So his career trajectory was definitely going towards sex films. Um and he also did the School for Sex with Francois Pascal and Nicola Austin. But again, we will uh, get to those in the future. Um, there was an Aussie fella, since I had mentioned Felicity, uh, named John Lamond. It's not technically British, but he did Felicity, like I mentioned, with Gloria Ann on Spaced Out. And uh, something I had just mentioned in a review I did like the other day, the ABCs of Love and Sex, uh, also known yeah. as Australia Style, and Australia After Dark. Uh, that one in particular is very good. Um, it's worth seeking out if you're into kind of the quote sex end of the Mondos. Uh, very enjoyable, very you know good looking women. Um, you know it's you know what it reminded me in parts because especially when they're dancing around the giant letters for the you know when they go into the ABCs they effectively go through the ABCs. It reminded me of a cross between the Electric Company and Zoom. <laughs> I'm like, it's like the sex version of these shows. Like, really? Okay. All they need to start doing is saying Zoom, 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 going around the little shirts, the striped shirts. Uh, loads of fun uh, for those who are into this sort of thing, and well worth checking out. So, uh, anything else uh, you wanted to cover? Wow, <laughs> this was an interesting show. Uh, well, I want I wanted to make the, like the declaration that this was a purely a show where we we wanted to make sure we appreciated women and <laughs> we, we and the female form. And this is by no means a misogynist show. Um, <laughs> yeah, it may have sounded, like, but that's you know that's what these movies were like from exactly. about seventy to eighty two, eighty three. Well, I hate to sound like one of those people like, oh, I've got black friends, ha-ha. But, you know, if, if you look at my Facebook friend list, especially ones that are close to me, most of them are female. So, you know, you're not really talking to somebody who's just misogynist. It's like, come off talking about No, I know. Movies. I mean, same thing with me, too. I'm just saying, no. No, no, I'm not defending ourselves. I'm no, just no, saying. That's what I'm saying. It sounds like you're defending yourself. You're like, okay, well, we, were, we didn't mean it to be this sleazy. Hey, look, this is the films we're talking about. What are you going to do? I know. Either appreciate it, 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 this, this is ironic, though, because two weeks ago we did a show about fuck films. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and but, anybody uh, who but, sees the way I review fuck 
films, as you put it. Uh, you know, it's all yeah. about aesthetic. I'm not going to sit there like, oh, yeah, that was a great cum shot. I'm, like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, who's in it, how good or bad right. they look. And if it's a well-photographed cum shot, that's important. Exactly. I mean, that's basically yeah. it. Yeah. Like, look at this fat guy yeah. walking around here. What the hell is he doing? Okay, that's basically it. That's all you can talk about. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. We, we had a lot of fun with this show. And, uh <laughs> Um, um, I've enjoyed the but, several shows since I came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I hope everybody loved listening to this. It's actually less than five hours long, and I really appreciate that. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> I kind of raced through them, as you saw. I was like, well, okay, if you're going to throw something in, throw it on in. But otherwise, I'm just going to keep rolling. <laughs> no, we had a good show. Yeah. So uh, next week is uh, the one that I had mentioned to you early on, and we saved it for last in our first season. Uh, one of – okay, I love all these people. That's why I talk about this stuff. But uh, one of my favorite directors during a certain period uh, of his filmmaking, because he did a long, he had a long career. Not all of it is good, but I really do enjoy the stuff that he was doing in the late 70s through – the early 80s, and then again, he did a few other films that I liked a lot. I liked Demonia a lot. I liked uh, his very last one. What was, what was it, Door to Silence? The one he did with the fellow from uh, Apocalypse Now? Oh, yeah, uh, John Savage? Film. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. one is fantastic. I love that film. I don't know how anybody else thinks about it, but it's totally eerie and screwed up. And um, it, again, like a lot of Fulci, it's a metaphysical thing about uh, dealing with uh, death and you know the meaning or meaninglessness, in his case, as he likes to see it, of life. Uh, so we will talk a lot more heady metaphysics and uh, gory horror next week when we talk uh, Lucio Fulci. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we hope everybody tunes in for our Fulci show. And uh, shortly we'll be announcing our uh, shows for Series 2 well, as soon as we agree on what they will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned a lot of stuff here today. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So I don't know if I have to go back and listen to the show and pull them all out. Like, oh, he wanted to do this Yeah, one. yeah, no, we, we, we gave a couple <laughs> of hints tonight. I, I think we're going gonna, we're gonna, to... We're gonna entertain you through through next spring. Uh since we all did not die in some cataclysm that was supposed to happen <laughs> yesterday, I think. Was that yesterday? Uh, yeah. I don't know what the hell. They, you know, they've been every other week is another doomsday scenario. Okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like the other day. It was yesterday it was like some doomsday cataclysm. Like I woke up. Okay, so nothing happened. Okay. Until they finally get to where the ice caps are melting and you know, New York gets flooded out like they always talk about, then forget it. We'll still be here. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. I hope you all enjoyed the show. See you next week. That's it. Uh, have a good one, and we'll see you next week for Lucio Fulci. Have a good one, everybody. Yes. All right. Watch those Fulci movies to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> And the music is supposed to be playing, and yet I don't hear a thing. There we go. <laughs> okay, so I'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed our show this week on the pretty slack and films. As uh, quick as we did try to run through a large area. And uh, next week we'll be talking Lucio Fultz. And stay tuned on the website, Facebook, where's uh, inside the Goldmine radio station, search for us by. And uh, we'll have a future plan. See you soon. Good night.
With the Quicksilver card from Capital One, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase. Unlimited? Unlimited? Unlimited! 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 Anyway you say it, earning unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase just sounds good. Capital One, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA N.A.